Hi, I'm Corey Gorkreist. Dr. Vincent West. We're here with the Phantasm Podcast. We have the honor of having Reggie Bannister of the Phantasm franchise for you guys on the show. Um, he is also followed by Gigi Bannister, his wife, who has an incredible insight of the industry, and she's a jack-of-all-trades when it comes to uh, filmmaking, uh, whether it be makeup effects or uh, lighting, sound uh, stunt work, you name it. She's she's done it all. So and been um, in it for a long time. Yeah. So it's it's a very in depth interview with these two. And it, it was, was a bonus. Fun. I didn't really realize she was going to be in it so much. It's cool. Yeah, it's it awesome. worked out really well. Really and we want to we want to thank you, Gigi and Reggie, both for giving us the time and and doing this for us and for the fans. It really embodies what we do as fans ourselves um, because. Yeah, our name's Phantasm, but that's really because of it's the basis that franchise. It you know it sounds silly, but that franchise embodies what we do, and us as friends, and us as um, it was surreal personalities. You know, surreal. We, so to get Reggie on here to kind of add to that fire, really, um, it's really special to us, and we yeah. we don't take it for granted. You nope. know, it was very very cool to have have the man on here. So that was. My favorite character in those films, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. fucking awesome. Other than Angus Scram, you've got, he's in every film. So. Yeah, that's amazing. So, we want to thank you guys, and uh, we hope all of you enjoy uh, the episode. I want to thank Corey, because Corey is who talked to Gigi and made this happen. So, thank you, Gigi, and thank you, Corey, for letting me talk to my favorite character in those films. Yeah, it's, it's fucking sick. It's really surreal, awesome. and it's, it's a awesome. special, special treat for you guys, for you f- fans of the Phantasm podcast and the Phantasm movie franchise. So hopefully now this is all uh, culminated together. All the pieces, all the pieces are here now. There you go. You can you can enjoy all of it. So it's awesome. So yeah, um, we'll now give you the interview with uh, Reggie Bannister and Gigi Bannister, and we hope you all enjoy and you you take as much of it away from it as we did and. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Anything else to add, Doctor? No, it's a cool experience, and uh, I think you guys will dig it. It's a cool interview. It's a long interview, and it's a very uh, it was neat to get to have them share something about hear Reggie share stuff about his life and their life together, and Gigi's work in the industry. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, that's all I got. Well, with that being said, we'll now give you the interview, Reggie Bannister, Gigi Bannister. And from us at Phantasm Podcast, stay fucking gory. This is Reggie Bannister from Phantasm, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast with an F with Corey and Vincent. <laughs> Hot as love. Yeah. 
Hey, hey, wait, wait, Mike, Mike, Mike. Check out that coffin and make sure that whatever's in there is dead. This is Corey Gorkreis, Dr. Vincent West, here on the Phantasm Podcast. We have the honor of having the one and only Reggie Bannister. How you doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing awesome. Um, it's great to have you. This yeah. is huge for us. I mean, what can we say about the guy who's a part of the franchise we named our whole podcast after, so this is really fun. Uh, oh, dude. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just... Uh, it's just been a lot of fun uh, over the years uh, to be able to sit here with you guys and just you know go over them and, and talk about what's going on and what's coming you know <laughs> hell yeah and um, I want to just talk a little bit you know brush the fans up on how you really started with your career and everything um, we're a huge fan of Don's as well and you've worked with him um, since the start of your career um, as far as doing Kenny and Company and um, I guess let's start with that. Yeah, Kenny, um, that, that was a kind of a big start for everybody. Um, I had, had to go back to the absolute beginning, um, though. I uh, I did this thing called Jim, the world's greatest. Right, and that was and, a Don as well. 
and 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 I did that because Don saw me in a, a play that I was doing at uh, Long Beach City College. Wow! Because uh, I was working at a lot of live theater at the, at that time, and so he he, he happened to see uh, uh, it was a group of uh, one act plays, and they were all original, written by students and stuff. Awesome! And there was some really good stuff, and. Uh, I, did, I was in about three of the five that they did that we did that that year at Long Beach City College, and um, and he happened to be in the audience, and uh, <laughs> it's really funny because one of the one acts that I was in, I, I played a, a gay guy uh, <laughs> who, yeah, and, and he gets uh, they, they some people put a, an ad in the paper for a roommate. Right. <laughs> and then I show up at the door and I'm just flamboyant <laughs> and it was just, oh god it was so much fun I can't even tell you I got to actually I got to actually uh, take my pants off and prance around the stage in a little pink uh, uh, bikini underwear <laughs> that's cool that sounds like I, a blast, I know you're yeah. picturing it right now <laughs> god it was so funny and uh, so you know uh, the, like the next day I think he saw it on a Saturday and then uh, the next day he called me in the morning and said you know I saw you and I thought that was really great and blah 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 and, uh, and actually it was Paul Pepperman okay. who was a co-producer wow. and uh, with Don and they wanted to do this uh, this shoot called Jim the World's Greatest and um and it was going to be uh, starring, uh, oh God, what was his name? I forget. And he, uh, he, he went on to do a lot of stuff. Uh, and But I was going to play this guy named O.D. Silingsley. Right. And, uh, of course, O.D. Uh, <laughs> he had the long hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was a total crazy drug out person, <laughs> and uh, I ran into uh, uh, Jim, and uh, I give him some words of wisdom, and uh, it was just a lot of fun, and then the next thing we did was Kenny and Company, and that was when I first met Michael. Gregory uh, Harrison. Right. Huh? Gregory Harrison. Oh, great, yeah, right, Gregory Harrison, um, who went on to, like I say, uh, said, uh, do some other really good stuff, uh, but that's, it's just been this blessing all these years you know one thing after another um and that that was just with the film stuff I, be, before the film stuff i was in uh, a lot of musical groups that, right, sure. uh, made a lot of noise yeah yeah so it's, <laughs> in it's a great way. stuff for sure yeah and then um going from kenny and company in a relationship with michael and uh don how did that carry over to uh phantasm well, you know, it was uh, just kind of interesting because, um, you know, Don is incredibly creatively prolific, um, and uh, so he, he just wanted to keep writing, he wanted to keep uh, making movies, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's really the attitude you have to have as a young filmmaker, I just want to make movies, you know, sure. and I'll do whatever I can to just make movies. Um, and, uh, you know, we've all had a lot of day jobs 
and, uh, oh, yeah. and I can get into that a little bit later too. I've had some pretty fun day jobs, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I worked at uh, I worked at the the mortuary cemetery uh, mausoleum uh, that in, in it was called Sunnyside uh, huh. when uh, Don started first talking to me about phantasm and. And, you know, it was just great because uh, we were able to and then uh, use, you know, a lot of that property uh, for shooting some stuff. Uh, awesome. In, I don't know, for sure two, and I think three and four, I, it was great. And then uh, another beautiful place in, um, it was Compton, I think, huh. um, called Angelus Abbey. And that was almost as old as the, uh, if not o- a couple of years older than the uh, Sunnyside Mausoleum. Wow. And so it was just this beautiful historic property that I was able to get because I knew everybody that ran it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I was able to get for the, for the shoot, and uh, it, just, it just worked really well, you know, being able to run around through the mausoleum and dive onto the floor and... <laughs> Hell yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. When you guys, uh, this is Vincent here, uh, when you guys started uh, like pre-production on the film and stuff, what was that like the first time you got together with that cast? Which one? The first film. Oh, well, you know, I have to tell you, dude, that was, that was very loose, man. <laughs> because yeah, I, I think it's like, uh, uh, independent filmmaking 101 I think you could just call it that uh, we were all learning at that point uh, like I said I had been involved in, in a lot of uh, live theater and stuff like that and, and so you know the first time that we got together um, it, it was like okay okay let me back up a little bit here I was into music at the time uh, that Don wanted to shoot uh, uh, like Kenny and company right and, and well and Jim as well Jim the world's greatest so I was working at uh, clubs in Long Beach they were folk clubs because uh, my, my music really suited that uh, sure. kind of genre yes. and uh, they were cool because uh, they were all they all had like beer and wine and stuff like that and so it was kind of like a big party with, with great music and yeah. great sound system and it was just bitching, you know, and and so you know Don just uh, you know would come over there as well, and uh, when I told him I would do you know his the first movie with him, uh, uh, which was uh, uh, Jim the World's Greatest, right, uh, and this continued on through Kenny and Company. Uh, they would uh, you know they would get the camera equipment for the weekend uh, because it was much cheaper to get it on Friday and use it over the weekend because you could keep it on Sunday for nothing. Right. Yeah, and then you take it back Monday and, you know, you pay for two days. And so we'd work, uh, they'd come and get me to go to a a location like up in Big Bear, uh, (laughs) California, or, you know, uh, I live 
not that far away from there now. Um, and, you know, we'd go and shoot. And, you know, they'd bring the ice cream truck. And, uh, you know, I'd, for example, the scene that we, one of the scenes that we did in Big Bear was uh, you know, the one where I, I, we put the dwarf in the, in the back of the truck. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, the evil guy, or one of them. And uh, I close the door and I go, hey, you know, to Mike and, and Jody, I said, this guy's not going to bleed all over my ice cream, is he? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, it was, it was those kind of situations that we depicted that, that Don wrote about that we depicted and, and acted on uh, that, that are so priceless in, in all the, the, the whole film series. Uh, it's just so natural. Uh, just good friends uh, trying to get through what they were presented with in life. And, uh, you know, I think you could extend that to everybody's life. Sure. <laughs> it's a very uh, relatable film, too, um, in a weird way it is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's very human. <laughs> when you uh, When you guys... Because I've always wondered this. I'm sure it's out there. I just am unfamiliar with this, and I'd love to hear you tell us about it. Is uh, what got Dawn to bring in the Hemikuta? Wow. Okay. Well, let's just start with the '60s. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh, a '64 Malibu um, with a, a 327. A 300 horsepower engine in it um, and that was just so I could be cool cruising there was a lot of places to cruise dudes sure. <laughs> I mean there was this place called Grissinger's in Long Beach that was just it was a little small uh, you know you could eat outside you know the, the drive-in yeah, restaurant yeah. kind of thing and, uh, and so we'd cruise through there and uh, you know, we'd park in the back you know, kind of out of the way. There was another place called uh, Harvey's Broiler that was even larger up in uh, Downey, I think it was. Nice. And you, you could park there and, you know, open up the hood to your car, just leave it open, and people would come through that had really bitching cars that they'd <laughs> take <laughs> in Long Beach, yeah. uh, California, for example. They We had this place called Lion's Drag Strip. You know, and, and every great racer in the world, uh, uh, quarter-mile racer in the world, was there. You know, they were there every weekend. And so, uh, you know, we were there watching the, the rail dragsters and stuff, and, and uh, you know, hot cars was really happening. And it was like a whole society and a whole culture. And so, yeah, we'd, we'd go through uh, Grissinger's, and then, you know, if you had a great car, you'd park in the back, uh, sort of on the side. Uh, it's not a large parking lot. And you'd open up the hood to your car, and, you know, people would come in and look at your 327 or, <laughs> you know, your your four, whatever, how many horses you had. Sure. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and it was just, it was a lot of fun. And so... Culturally, um, that that kind of social consciousness uh, was carried through into the phantasm thing because that's 
kind of where we all came from. Right. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and what we found out was that that was uh, uh, culturally uh, and socially uh, a very acceptable lifestyle. Yeah. And oh, yeah. If, yeah, and, if, and everybody loved it. Everybody, everybody loved it. You know, because there was a little danger. You know, right, right. There, there was there was a, a lot of uh, hey, look at your car, man. That's really cool. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> quite naturally, um, you know, the, the the coolest dude had the cool coolest car. Sure. So, Cuda. Okay, Cuda <laughs> shoulda woulda Cuda. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so we cooted and uh and it just it turned out to be a really great choice yeah i mean it's it's almost as iconic as the movie itself you know i feel like really good horror movies have a bitch in car somewhere in the movie you know oh yeah iconic cars are a big part of uh you know movies in general I, so definitely yeah, helps with I, the with the whole um, aura of the movie itself, you know, you got the you got so much to take in when you watch that film. Um, oh yeah, I know, and and you know what's really gratifying for I'm sure all of us is um, if if you love Phantasm for the natural feeling of it of, of the cars, for example, right. and and the the how the characters were just every man's man uh, kind of characters and just they were defending each other because they were friends and sure. they loved each other you know and and they looked for hot babes and stuff and <laughs> yeah and, and you know and so everybody can relate to that and yeah. um, I think that's what what uh, has uh, given uh, you know the Phantasm series it's longevity sure. uh, is that you can relate to it it's, it's incredibly human it's it's you and it and or it's what you'd like to be and it, you, know, you can see that it's attainable it's not you know nobody's a superhero it's right. you know uh, it's just you know this guy an ice cream guy good humor guy what the heck <laughs> and is that I mean come on and all of you know and, but he wants but the, it's just love of friendship and like that and you know keeping your world together and then you got some guy that comes in and tries to destroy it and what are you going to do <laughs> yeah from who knows where you yeah. know, the Mars or yeah the first film is <clears throat> absolutely I love it I want to talk with you kind of move forward here uh, Phantasm 2 I I got to go right into this I love the four barrel <laughs> shotgun that's beautiful that that to me is that's my favorite weapon in any horror movie now. Can you repeat that? Oh, the four barrel shotgun from Phantasm oh, yeah. Two. Oh, oh yeah. You mean like where did it come from? Like man, yeah, you wielding that thing and it's just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it, it is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And if you see, you know, you notice, and I know you guys notice uh, that the four barrels. The way they're cut at at the end of the at the barrels, right. they're cut so that I mean I don't, I don't know if you know about shotguns, <laughs> but they 
you know, you, like the, a burst the, shot. The round, the shell, yeah. blows out a million BBs. Yeah. You know, when it goes off. Sure. And then think about it times four. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's, wow. <laughs> it's an eliminator. And, yeah, really. Especially really those little dwarves, you, you know, they're just kind of... Yeah. It's kind of over. And, I mean, you, you can just, just think about it. it the, the, practically, the concept is that if you're facing a whole bunch of evil, <laughs> evil creatures or whatever... Um, uh, that that you know they're just all going to be blown away. <laughs> if yeah, because if the range <laughs> and the width of those those pellets coming out is just going to blow you away. You know, so what a what a great uh, weapon uh, it was that uh, that was created for for the series. Sure, and then yeah. you know I know originally the second film was wasn't well received by fans but I think especially now people are just I mean I honestly you know we love the first one that's the basis for everything but you know the doctor and I both you know doctors usually favor that one over any of them but I I've come to really like the second film um a lot it's yeah. it's a great movie and uh talk about uh James Legro the uh working with him well, he, he was great to work with, for one thing. He's a terrific actor. And, uh, you know, you, you want to work with the best, right? Sure. I, I don't care what you do, <laughs> what you give your life to. Uh, you you want to work with the best. You guys, you know, you want to you work with each other, you know? Sure, and, yeah. Because yeah. uh, you guys appreciate each other's work. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, James, uh, I... Uh, before we shot the film, um, and of course it was a universal film, so yeah. uh, they threw some money at us yeah. that we had never seen before. <laughs> oh, yeah. <I'm> being... <laughs> you know, because independent filmmaking is, you know, it's out of your wallet, uh, yeah. basically. And uh, all of a sudden there's this giant uh, uh, industrial, uh, you know, People that want <laughs> the suits want to throw, you know what? What is just chump change to them? But it's like you hear the number, and we're, we were going, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" You know, it's like, um, you know, and so, uh, so yeah, getting James, who was uh, already uh, making noise, because uh, he was he was one of the Universal actors. Uh, right. Universal had its. Um, uh, people that it really liked, that it would promote to uh, other, you know, uh, independent producers and stuff sure. to maybe use in their next film. Right. And James is one of those guys. But Don really, he liked him. He really liked him when he saw him, and he had James uh, uh, read, and I think he saw his uh, his uh, tapes and stuff. And uh, so, anyway, long story short. When I came in to read uh, with James uh, to see, they wanted to see how I felt with him and how it felt for with us together. And immediately, we, we just, it was like, bro. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was, we got along really well. And so, uh, and that was really important for the film, sure. for the characters. 
to personally, you know, it, it made it easy. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, you just put on your character and bounce into each other, and it was he was great to bounce into. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's he a, did a he did a thing. Tell him about the lollipop. The lollipop, tootsie pop. Oh, when James. Yeah, he did his audition <laughs> with the Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. When we were uh, doing the audition stuff, and he actually pulled out a Tootsie Pop, and uh, I forget he, what the line was, but he just popped it in his mouth, and I, I just lost it. <laughs> uh, a Tootsie Pop? You know, come on. <laughs> that's great. I mean, how... You know how real can you get, sure. especially when you think about the time, uh, the era that we shot it, and it was—he was perfect. Awesome. The film, to me, it picked up beautifully where the original ended, and and I'll get into more of this with you guys as we go along. But I just want to tell you what I think—just an amazing part of that series. Your character is. It, it just solidifies the whole thing to me. I realize a lot of people would say Angus, but for for me as a fan, it was always you, Reggie. And oh, man. I just love every scene with you in it. I, the hilarious, the the demon girl that you picked up, and you know she pulls her scalp <laughs> off. And yeah, that was you know. Samantha Phillips, the alchemy. Oh, so much fun! Just so, just you know, and. It's just every time I would watch those movies as a kid, it was just like you know, what's going to happen with Reggie in this film? You know, what's going to what's gonna, what's he going to uncover or kill or you know? And in two, to me, uh, it just upped the ante. I loved it. You know, uh, I remember seeing it in the theater uh, as a teenager and just absolutely loved it. You know, everything about it and. I wanted to ask you, uh, on that film, um, what was it like shooting part two? Did you, was it, was it a better experience than part one? Was it just a different experience or? It was a really different experience. Um, and, but for me, it was, it was amazing to kind of get back into that amazing experience, different experience saddle. Because, um, again, you know, back you know, when I was uh, uh, doing a lot of music, um, uh, when I was, you know, in, back in the 60s, right. uh, Greenwood County Singers, Young Americans, um, and, and like that, you know, we were doing shows um, at Harris Club. We were, we were playing Lake Tahoe, you know, it was, it was just amazing because uh, I was, you know, I was a teenager, and I was in uh, the Greenwood County Singers, and um, uh, you know, we played with Andy Griffith. You know, we uh, played with, uh, you know, all kinds of people. It's amazing. Uh, I, it was amazing. In fact, we uh, when we played with Andy Griffith in Lake Tahoe, uh, he got a Rolls Royce from somewhere. And um, it was really nice, and sure. we rode around in the Rolls Royce and <laughs> and just yeah, pimping out there and just kind of uh, you know checked out Tahoe, you know, which is a beautiful resort area, 
and just kind of drove around and talked and and it was before we actually did the first show I think and we talked about you know how we were gonna you know what we were gonna do with the show and how you know what everybody was interested in in presenting you know in the show right. and he was just he was all into us and we were all into him and uh, uh, and I doubt seriously if a lot of people remember uh, Andy Griffith as a like a kind of a folk country singer right uh, guitar player and uh, and so we just we fit like glove in hand you know and uh, that was the way it was with a lot of the stuff most of the stuff I'd have to say with the Greenwoods uh, we just we run the Bing Crosby show and you know, Bob Hope <laughs> yeah. Hollywood Palace uh, which was a big uh, celebrity show and uh, we were kind of what was going on group-wise, group, musical group-wise at the time. And uh, so, yeah, it was like, it was awesome for me as a kid, you know. Well, on Phantasm 1, you, you shot uh, long periods of time on weekends, right? Uh, while yeah. you were doing music, as opposed to Universal uh, with Phantasm 2, you had a set period of time and you shot all the way through, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and that's, you know, that was because, uh, you know, in the first picture, like I said, you know, everybody had to stay alive. (laughs) (laughs) We could only shoot. Intended film. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) We could only shoot when the, you know, uh, Don had the money to shoot and or, you know, whatever we were doing outside of our jobs in terms of entertainment. Um, That's a lot how we, like, how we did four and five, too, right? That's true. Yeah, it was exactly like that. So it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's a labor of love. And I just, you know, I, I'm real, I'm really happy to, to watch independent production these days because I, I, th- I think there's just a lot of stuff that, that's being uh, uh, presented now uh, that just, you know, took a lot of love and heart to, to uh, create and have a product. Yeah, definitely. Oh, here's yeah. a here's a weird one. This is outside of Phantasm, but I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, Don did a movie. No, I'm sorry. No, no questions outside of Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep it within the realm of the we name. Don't, no, we don't do weird. No, <laughs> <wait. It's>, uh, <laughs> that would be out of the ordinary, you know. Oh wait, the cat has a hairball. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. You got a. Uh, yeah, our cat is. We have our cat in this interview, by the way. I have yeah. a I have a demon cat and uh, a dog named Tuna that frequently uh, sits with us on the podcast, and so we yeah we're we maybe able to hear him eating. Wow. Shouldn't yeah. it be the other way around? The cat named Tuna and the demon dog. Nope. Tuna is the chillest uh, animal we know. I think. And yeah, he's, he's very much a part of this podcast. <laughs> the cat is just a a terror, but you know, she's, she's pretty tame right now. So. She's right. She's actually laying down for the first time I think I've ever had an interview where she's laid down and not done anything. I gave her some food, so uh, she's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a bestiarium in here, but you know it's all right. We'll make do. Um, Survival Quest, which was right. a Don film. You, I don't think you had a bit. You were like a pilot in that film. Um, yeah. But how long were you on set for that one? You know, I was. Uh 
I only worked a couple of days on that. Uh, it was interesting, you know, because, uh, of course, uh, uh, Don is, like I said, he's so prolific. He's got so many great ideas. Uh, but I think of he, he thought of me at that point as a, a lucky coin. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, oh, God, i got to call Reg. i got to figure out a part for Reg to play in this movie. That's awesome. Oh, my God, oh, what am I going to do? And, um, <laughs> you were like on the lucky coin, yes. <laughs> and so, um, so it just, it was, uh, he, you know, between him and me um, and Lance, Right. Uh, and Mark Ralston. And Mark Ralston. Uh, uh, but but mo- you know, mostly uh, between Don and I, we created uh, this character. Uh, you know, this pilot pilot guy <laughs> that was kind of whacked out. Yeah. Kind of reminded. <laughs> yeah. Later, it was O.D. Silings. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, the name O.D. Uh, Silingsley uh, overdose. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I played him that way, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in uh, in Survival Quest, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But And it was kind of a, uh, yeah, let, let's get Reg in the film and we need something for here and something for there and something for there. And so, hey, we'll just plug Reg in. Sure. And that's kind of the way it happened. And it was just a lot of fun. It was you know, fun working with Lance and and getting to know him and and everybody else that was on the shoot. It was really great. Awesome. Yeah, it's just a little weird one. Figured we'd talk about that's one of your your Don, you know, like you said, Lucky Coin yeah. film. So, and uh, <laughs> we like Lance Henriksen too. He's pretty awesome. So, yeah, um, he's very sweet. He's also very kind to us when when we see him at the shows. He's good. He makes good. a point to see us. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. And this is uh, the other one. We'll get right back to Phantasm, but we're huge fans of this guy's work. Uh, you did Silent Deadly Night 4. Yeah, um, Silent Night Deadly, Deadly Night Part 4, The Initiation. Yes, and which is actually a weird movie. It's like a more like a, <laughs> a insect film. It's really gross. But uh, Brian Usna, talk about working with him. Uh, Brian is a very... Uh, <laughs> 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 No improvisation, nothing. Just no, 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 none whatsoever. It's like no, this is the line. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) and and so and you know that was okay Uh, as long as you know what the rules of the game are. (laughs) (laughs) You just abide by those, right? Obviously, I mean, (laughs) you know, I played baseball. I grew up playing baseball. There's rules to the game. Sure. Yeah. Uh, 
which by the way uh, since we went that way um, I think sports is a really good wait 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 before you go off okay. tell them yeah. about the smoking versus the uh, sunflower seeds the smoking versus the sunflower seeds remember that uh, yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brian. There was uh, Brian wanted me, my character, to be a smoker. Eli, yeah. Eli, yeah. Right. And because uh, that that fit his character, and I agreed. Uh, you know, but smoking is like uh, you know, like a habit. Sure. And so I was trying to think of a habit that I <laughs> I could bring up to Brian that was you know just another habit you know sure. but just you know kind of you know whacked out. And, you know, maybe even a little bit humorous. And so I I, I said, well, why, why doesn't my character, he's like really hooked on banging sunflower seeds. Because, you know, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> and they're very annoying if you've ever they're, been around someone who's hooked on sunflower seeds. They spit them out all over the place. Yeah, oh, the, the bowl the, of it when you see it still in the sink just drives me insane. You don't eat the shells, you get the little seeds inside. Yeah. Um, and I... I went through a whole thing, a whole conversation with Brian about, you know, I think it would be better, Brian, if I was, uh, you know, kind of, you know, just a, a sunflower seed guy. <laughs> and uh, and I went through this whole thing with him, and, and he just listened, and at the end, he just looked at me for a couple of takes, and he went, no, he's <laughs> a smoker. <laughs> Reggie just go. He tells it, turns to a PA, and he goes, "Give me a pack of Marlboro." <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I did. <laughs> oh, that's so, the funny thing is, is uh, we we produced a a um, public access show in the '90s called uh, Nightmares Cafe, right? And um, and we had um, we had Brian and his kids on, and his son did a, a, a show, uh, a little short called, uh, for, for, for school, no less, um, about, about um, the, auto- uh, the autopsy of a pharaoh, and it was really quite graphic for a little boy, <laughs> and uh, so we had them come on and describe how they made their little mummy movie. And um, especially the part about, you know, extracting the brain through the nose and everything. It was really quite good. <laughs> Sounds very used to me. Yeah, and Brian actually brought, uh, he, he helped uh, coach his son how to direct and everything. And, and uh, he said his, his son has gotten his directorial habits, <laughs> if you will, right. from him and his, his strictness and uh, and. Reggie made the joke about um, about it, he referenced the whole uh, sunflower cigarette thing. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but Brian, they really, that somebody really might come guy. along and uh, convince yeah. him to be a sunflower addict instead of a cigarette smoker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think Brian said something along the lines of, "Boy, you don't let anything go to you." Right. Now, when, I want a question for both of you real quick. Since we're talking about Brian, it just comes to mind. And I'm just curious as a horror fan. Did you guys, when you threw Brian or at a different scenario, ever meet Stuart Gordon? Oh, yeah. Stuart's a great friend. 
Awesome. Stuart Gordon. Oh, yeah, Stuart, yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, he was great. I can't, I can't remember a whole lot of specific, uh, stuff that, um, we talked about or dealt with or, uh, but I just remember he uh, have a really good, uh, feeling about Stuart and he was, he was really cool. Yeah, he's, yeah, we uh, were mostly at the conventions. We yeah, mostly at the conventions, yeah. That's amazing. That's just really cool. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll move back into the well, fan You know, we're, we're all, it's sort of like horror is a big family, and it's sort of like sooner or later you're going to run into everybody. Right. And <laughs> right. We, we pretty much all know each other or know of each other. And sure. Stuart is one of those guys that um, everybody knows and and but we no we used to hang out especially <laughs> the nineties was was like the heyday and we really all kind of at the conv- at the Fangoria conventions especially we uh, uh, <laughs> we all met at the bar that's awesome oh yeah <laughs> and there was there were a lot of stories that went around at the bar <laughs> there was a lot of creative creative stuff going on at the bar oh definitely there was yeah. a lot of creative creative uh, consultations sure. I would say consultations yeah. is yeah. a good word and the banisters were known for their parties so awesome. <laughs> that's uh, amazing yeah we had some very large um, gatherings especially in the Long Beach house and, hell yeah um, yeah yeah upwards of 200 people sometimes <laughs> that, wow that's awesome got to the point it was too much work so we quit so you gotta invite us over someday we'll <laughs> We don't live in Long Beach anymore. <laughs> Dude, one ninety nine and two hundred right here. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> we live in a tiny cabin. Remember Phantasm Five? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We we'll get to that. I, yeah, we're gonna um, go into Lord of the Dead here, Phantasm Three. You got Michael uh, back in the fold with you. Um, of course, you got Gloria Lynn Henry. Great character yeah, awesome. as well. Uh, talk about uh, Phantasm Three and shooting. Well, you know, it was uh, again. You know, it was always just a, a great thing to all of a sudden have Don call you and go, "We're going to shoot another movie." That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, you're not a you're not a pilot uh, this time, and it's another Universal film, and it yeah. was another Universal film, right? So, but basically, uh, with two and three. Since they were, they were both universal, I knew it was coming up. Right. Uh, because we we basically signed on, uh, f- you know, for two films. Sure. And uh, the fourth one came out of a clear blue. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, but they all kind of did. So, it, you know, what the hell. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, both of those uh, universal films. Okay, so for two... Uh, they, they gave us a lot of money, but they—I think they had a certain amount of money uh, that they were going to give us for to do two and three. And of course, the idea is to put uh, the first one out uh, as big as you can. And so they—they they gave us, like I said, a lot of money. Not a lot of money for you know, I don't know, somebody like Jack Nicholson or somebody like that. They gave us decent money to shoot this horror film. Uh, and when we say us, we mean him. <laughs> <Not> us. <laughs> for, a second, I, for a second, I don't know well, why, but you know I would... <laughs> anyway, it was more money than I had made, uh, you know, making 
the first film, sure. obviously. Um, but yeah, and then uh, so uh, it we had to. I mean, Don was great in that he was like uh, the the guy that had to face Universal uh, Universal's representative who was in charge of our projects right. and kept him kind of at bay. So the suits, <laughs> yeah, the suits. They, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> so they didn't get a lot to say about what was going on. Right. You know. Uh, and so you know, we always give. Uh, the producers, uh, uh, you know, Don always gives them the straight script, and then, um, you know, he allows when we sh- actually shoot for the creativity of everybody involved in the shoot, for everybody, you know, yeah. uh, from lighting to actors to, you know, whoever is working. And because, you know, it's, it's a good vibe, it's like we're all in this together, uh, you know. Uh, nobody's getting ripped off. Uh, everybody knows what the budget is, and you're doing as much as you can for everybody financially. Um, and, and I think that's you know that's obviously the way you have to approach, like I said, independent film. Sure. And yeah, and and so I always like talking about it because I I like to encourage people that are out there that want to shoot. Uh, you know, go get a flipping camera it's so easy today <laughs> right it really is you know you got a phone yeah you can <laughs> yeah. yeah shoot a movie yeah. that new no, iphone that's a billion dollars <laughs> you know it'll shoot 4k now so you, or, can... you know at least you know get get a, get your first experience yeah right. up and and go on even if you have to shoot it on on your uh on your phone uh, or, or some other you know thing rent it like we did yeah um there's places yeah there's a big secret Uh, I'm surprised that a lot of uh, young people I've talked to a lot of fans who want to be filmmakers and I'm surprised they don't know this but there's a big secret among us filmmakers where if you let's say go on a a long weekend and you want to make a a film um, if you rent your cameras um, and your equipment on say come in on a Thursday evening you rent it for that long holiday. You don't have to return it until um, uh, um, Monday. Uh, yeah, Monday. Tuesday. Yeah. Because Monday is the holiday. Yeah, Tuesday. Oh, right. Oh, great. You right. Get really, you get the equipment idea. for the price of just yeah. the weekend. And so Monday is um, a holiday, so you don't have to return it until right. Tuesday. And so you get a bonus day to shoot. And so that's why a lot of independents, you know, uh, shoot over those long holidays. That's good stuff. I want to ask you guys about uh, what happened where uh, Phantasm Three was not released theatrically. Uh, <laughs> well, I was pissed. Oh, I, mean, I, I was pissed as a fan. Yeah. You know, this was that was the age of VHS. So right. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah, that and really truly what Gigi just said. You know, they had this uh, uh, this new way of. You know, distrib- distribution, I should say, um, of, of film, and it was a much cheaper way, and they could uh, make a lot of money because there was new. Uh, uh, you know, everybody was getting into the uh, new way of watching movies. You know, on, in their home, you know, they have parties, and you know, put on a movie, and everybody gets loaded and and loves the film you know right. and had a great night it's like a party awesome and so there were, they used to do a lot of that stuff at that time and uh, 
Yeah, so I kind of took it like that, and then at the same time, I was really disappointed that they they weren't going to release it theatrically. So I was um, just a quick story, <laughs> sort of. Um, <laughs> no, I was please, it's amazing. <laughs> I, Love to hear. I, it. I was I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone uh, one day. It was a, a guy named Michael, Ma- Michael Berryman. <laughs> Uh, awesome. <laughs> well, I, I really liked Michael. We, we were good friends. Huge fans. And, yeah. And and um, and so anyway, I'm talking to him, and I'm you know we're talking about you know the difficulty about getting the word out, and and you know how you know you, we we make these little independent films, and you know we need to get you know try and get the word out about them so we can get a buzz going and maybe get a little bigger distribution or whatever Definitely. and yeah yeah cause little known fact SAG actors don't make money uh, if, if something goes to um, like video distribution you make right. money off of the sales yeah right absolutely so, and you only get money after a certain number of sales yeah it's like commission yeah. basically so, right right so uh, anyway he goes well you know there's uh, this really hip chick <laughs> um, and her name is Gigi, and uh, she's going to be at this. Uh, there's going to be a gathering of people. They're going to be talking about film and, and stuff like that. And uh, I think Vernon Wells is is going to be there. Awesome. And I went, oh, Vernon Wells. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. We're talking. The you know, going to bring bring the car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he wearing chaps? Wearing chaps, yeah. <laughs> hanging out. Anyway, um, <laughs> got spiked shoulder pads. Grace would let him. Grace would let him. Yeah, really. But um, Grace is his wife. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they're all going to be there, and uh, and uh, you can meet Gigi and and you know jam some ideas with her, and uh, she's really hip and she's really out there doing it. And I said, okay, you know. And so I went to this uh, gathering, uh, and um, uh, I... Actually, he gave you my phone number. He, that's right, he did. And he didn't even have to ask, he just gave it to you. Huh? So he didn't even what? have to ask for it, he just got it. Yes, he... I, no, and... <laughs> he, <laughs> Michael, I wish it was that easy sometimes. my phone sometimes. number, and I get this phone call, <laughs> I'm uh, getting situated. I had just moved into Kirstie Alley's uh, split-level house. I was renting from her. That, that wow. was fun. Jeez. Uh, anyway, so um, um, I had a group called the Wolf Pack, and uh, it was I was a talent rep, and um, I had uh, probably at the time I had twelve. By the time I dropped the wolf pack I had about 22 I think uh, clients and it was you know people like uh, like she, like you said Michael Berryman Vernon Wells uh, Elizabeth Brooks from the Howling um, awesome uh, got uh, I can't think of them all right now George Takei yeah, Paul there Takei, was a bunch. I mean there is there is like you know quite a few awesome so, oh, Ju- Julie Parrish uh, yeah well creation Lori Lori uh, Malin from creation at the time called it GG Circus. So, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it was uh, something catchy, from every yeah, genre, awesome. you know. 
and I could actually fill a convention if you just if you needed it. And um, so, <laughs> anyway, so he calls me up, and he had no idea. You know, I'm like doing this little dance on the other end of the phone, and he goes, "Hi, hi. you know," he says. Um, Michael Berryman gave me your number. He says, um, uh, I don't know if you know me. My name is Reggie Bannister. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, yes, hi. I'm <laughs> with your work. <laughs> he goes, oh, that's great. He says, uh, we just released Phantasm Three, but they're sending it. And he's telling me the whole story. And I'm like, oh, yes. You know, and he goes, would you like to come to a screening? I'm like, yes. Uh, sure, that would be great. Can I bring someone? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um so Elizabeth Brooks and I go to the UCLA campus to, to the theater, and and uh, we go and we the first person we run into is Angus Grimm, <laughs> and awesome. he has a cold, oh, and wow. he won't shake hands. And I'm and <laughs> I'm from Texas, so I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> not a problem. <laughs> and Elizabeth goes, how are we going to find this guy? And I'm like, first of all, I know exactly what he looks like um <laughs> secondly um you know i look when i first saw phantasm I, it was 1979 i drove a black 70 dodge challenger with a 440 that i used to race in the powder puff circuit we called it playtex because it would <laughs> lift and separate okay <laughs> i know this guy <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. And, and I said, the way we're going to find him is we look for the largest crowd and look at the dead center of it. <laughs> and sure enough, that's exactly how we found him. And <laughs> so we meet and we shake hands. And I I feel like someone reached in and grabbed my soul. And <laughs> he thought I had a big stick up my ass. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and... Um, a few months later, he, he winds up doing, um, uh, actually within a couple of weeks, uh, we went, I wind up booking him at, at different events. He helped me with uh, a Michael Berryman's um, About Face International event called, uh, it was a um, charity fundraiser we did at Universal City Walk. And it oh, was wow. um, um, Hollywood, um, uh, uh, how, what do we call it? A celebrity pool party and uh, it was um, at the Hollywood Athletic Club uh, pool um, thing uh, it was playing pool it's awesome and, um, and then we uh, it was like um, lots and lots of uh, fun with all the celebrities and everything and then um, and then we from there uh, we we uh, did other events I started booking everybody into conventions and stuff and uh, and he you know was able to do what he accomplished, which is uh, what he wanted to accomplish, which is to uh, promote Phantasm Three and and get him out there and get him seen and and, and like that. And uh, my business partner at the time and I, you know, really enjoyed uh, working with him and enjoyed his energy and everything. And one night we were uh, entertaining a, a producer, and uh, we went to. Um, I had privileges over at um, Jack Nicholson's club called uh, the Monkey Bar in Beverly Hills at the time. Wow, that's and, amazing. Uh, so we, we went over there for nightcaps and um, we sat at Jack's table and we were like, um, um, can we talk to you? So we went, took him outside and we asked him if he'd um, mind joining our company. 
and if right. you consider uh, working with us. And so within um, about a month or so, we incorporated our um, um, the company I already had, right. and we incorporated, and he became uh, vice president. Wow, so that's amazing. That's kinda, yeah, so that's, that's, and we went from there. So he was working at the Press-Telegram uh, for his day job at the time, and so he took a golden parachute, and <laughs> um, the, we haven't looked back uh, from January of 1995 uh, till this day that that's been our day job. Wow. That's yep. amazing. <laughs> that's, so that's cool shit. That's a very got cool. Promoted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's insane. Uh, amazing movie. You know, it's uh, it's one of our favorites, actually. Corey yeah. and I. I thought it was the funniest damn thing. Elizabeth and I um, laughed our asses off. <laughs> Oh God! It was it was so funny. Uh, I thought it was an excellent um, exposition of his um, or exploitation of his comedic timing and sure. and um, and his uh, stunt work was uh, uh, incorporated into that at the same time. And I thought it was a, a good blending of the hero character, and it was really really um, a, a good pickup from two into three. And I just I thought it was really just his coming out I mean it really was oh it's a it's amazing I mean and, and I, I love every bit of that film I the, the end of it terrified okay. me where he's pinned up against with the spheres and stuff but <laughs> yeah as a well, fan I was like I was like no <laughs> when, you, when you're ready for it so yeah <laughs> it's it's but it's it's great pain in the ass scene yeah, <laughs> for that for that film, I think I said it when we reviewed it on the podcast uh, months back. It almost feels it has like a homey, like family feel to it, but it's definitely not. But I get like the vibe of it, where it feels like it's like a, I don't know, like it's fun to watch. Yeah, it's like a. It's I a, guess that's it's a fun movie. It's, it's a fairly, fun film to watch. It's yeah. the sets are gorgeous. Where they, wherever they shot it, it's beautiful. Paragord, uh, was it Paragord? Is that where you said it? Um, yeah, I think that was it, Paragord Manor. Um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Don uh, Coscarelli has always been really great at finding great locations. Oh, yeah. Having said that, um, we've worked together on that. And like I was saying about, you know, Sunnyside, I, I right. got us locations at Sunnyside uh, through, I don't know, three films. And uh, then there was this uh, this other uh, mausoleum. I, I think I was mentioning it uh, in Compton yeah. called Angelus Abbey. Yep. And I I got that location for us uh, for <laughs> really a small amount of money because I when I worked at Sunnyside I delivered uh, flowers from the flower shop. I worked in the flower shop. And I was the guy who delivered the flowers as well. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And so, you know, I had this van, and it had flowers, sunny side all over the side and all that. And uh, and I would put flowers uh, uh, in the mausoleum. I would place them. You know, families would buy service uh, with uh, that flower shop uh, for a year or years at a time uh, for us to make sure that their loved ones uh, had flowers in you know placed uh, sure. in, in the wherever they were buried or or interred, and uh, and so that was kind of my job. So 
I, I knew these places inside and out, literally. And I knew the people that ran them uh, inside and out as well. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when Don, you know, wanted to, you know, shoot, you know, phantasm stuff, uh, I would just talk to these people and go, hey, you know, what can we do? Uh, how much do you need uh, that we can, you know, use the mausoleum for a couple of weeks or a couple of weekends, let's say. And they would go, well, you know, this, that, or that, the other thing. And it was always incredibly reasonable right, uh, in great. our budget. And uh, and we would get these amazing, amazingly beautiful locations uh, for next to nothing, really. Uh, and, and, and it, you know, it translates... Which is his favorite uh, price. You know, for location. Sure, sure. Yeah, really, <laughs> seriously. And so, you know, like when, you know, we're shooting stuff in the mausoleum and, uh, you know, we're actually there. We're in a mausoleum. The, the one time that we uh, used a, a mausoleum set, or a couple of times that we did, was in two and three. Right. Because, yeah, Universal gave us enough money to build these beautiful sets. Sure. And, uh, and, and, which made it easier because we could stay in one place, you know, without a company move to go to Compton or to go to Long Beach. Right. We could just stay, uh, at, you know, at Universal or wherever, you know, the studio was or the, uh, yeah, uh, wherever we were shooting. And so, uh, yeah, it worked out. It, it you know, it was really nice in, in the end, in the, in the long run, in terms of... Uh, of a budget as well. Well, company moves are are costly and they're uh, very hard on the on the cast and crew and and uh, and it and it eats up time. So right. anytime that you can avoid company moves, uh, even if it's just you know from one side of a location to another side, it's it's very difficult to, to do a company move. Uh, we do a lot of shooting up here in Crestline, and it, even just uh, going from, and, and you, Crestline is a lot like Reggie calls it a university mentality. I mean, you can literally work uh, walk from one end of town to the other. And, uh, but anytime that you have to break down something entirely and then walk it to the other end, um, and reset, reestablish everything. It, it's just so time consuming. And so, um, uh, anytime that you can just stay on one location and shoot everything out there, it's, it's always best. And, and, uh, right. but you've got to get that, you kind of do what's best for the production value, you know, yeah, uh, for the artistic value. Well, the, the third film is beautiful. I, I love it. I, in a lot of ways, when Corey and I bought the Blu-ray box set, I was just saying how beautiful the transfer was. It's just, it, it's just a, it's a fun film to watch. I, it's one of my favorites in the series. I just love it. Uh, thanks, man. I love that it features you, and, and like I said, that with that being said, just all of them, just having you in the just, but that the third film, I, I think, is incredibly underrated. I love that film, but <laughs> uh, Phantasm Four. How did that come about? I'm sorry? Uh, Phantasm 4. How did it come about? Phantasm 4. I remember we get we got a phone call from Don, and he's like, hey, let's do lunch. <laughs> let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> let's do lunch. <laughs> and any, if we're going to do lunch, I always know there's something, something afoot. Right. Sounds like sex. 
Well, to be honest with you, it kind of is like sex. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're here. Okay. My phone's directing. Okay, we got it. Okay, cool. So, um, anyway, so, but he did, we had, he had a hard time because he went through several scripts, and the scripts just were not appealing to him, you know, right. or he, he, for, you know, there was Phantasm, I forget which order it went, Phantasm, I think it went Phantasm 2012 and then Phantasm's End. Or it might have been the other way around, I forget. One was the Roger Avery script, one was the Steve Romano script. And right. um, the, uh, let's see, the Steve Romano script just did, I think we were close on that. It just wasn't there. And right. um, 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 I don't know if it was the. The, the continuity of the story, or <clears throat> it, I, oh, I remember it was it was too big. Uh, every time he would present it, it, was the the backers just weren't not into it. It was just too for uh, sometimes a script can be absolutely perfect right, for right. the franchise, and uh, but it's the wrong time. It's the wrong time for producers. Producers will go, like you know, it's it's too big, and they and producers are um, very myopic, and they don't um, they see black and white, they don't see colors, and uh, they follow trends. Um, and once you burst a bubble, if you can burst a bubble, then everybody wants to do one just like that one. Sure, you know? right. But. Um, you know, uh, Steve is a visionary, and he's really an underrated visionary. Um, but it just, it just, it was a really, really big uh, film, and it just what just wasn't the timing for that one. Right. And then, um, and then there was uh, Phantasm twenty twelve, which is the Roger Avery script, I think. Right. It was. Uh... And then. Um, we're looking then, at one script here, Phantasm, nineteen ninety nine A.D. with Bruce Campbell. With with. <laughs> let's see, was that the Roger Avery script, or was that? Yeah. Um, yes. It okay, is. That yes. Was the Roger Avery script. Maybe the twenty twelve was um, Steve. Well, I'm, I'm, I get so confused because there, there was okay, so there was like three scripts there, right? And but the the. Yeah, the, uh, that was the apocalyptic script. Yeah, that right. was the Bruce yeah. Camp. That was the uh, sort of the what was it? Uh, Resident Evil meets Phantasm kind of, or not Resident Evil, but uh, Ash versus uh, Phantasm kind of thing. And they wanted to pair um, um, Ash and Reggie. God, and that would have been amazing. He and I would have had a heart attack if that <laughs> came out. <laughs> alone <laughs> when I saw the monkey in that script I went no <laughs> right <laughs> absolutely not um, you know uh, uh, WC field said kids and monkey or kids and animals you know you can't work with them right you know they're, you know, they're, it's a, they're very you know having having said that I, I work with kids and animals a lot <laughs> um, 
but I get to choose, you know, and, and how they work, and I, you know, it's very difficult. You gotta, it's a, it's a very special formula that it takes, and a lot of patience, and I know that, I know how Don works, and the speed at which he works, and the budget at works he works, and that wasn't going to be it. Right. And I knew who was going to have to babysit that freaking monkey, and <laughs> it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> So <laughs> I was not about all about that monkey. And Reggie's character winds up with that monkey, and I wasn't all about that right. either. So, um, no, <laughs> I was not going to have that. Um, and uh, But there was a lot of aspects to that particular script that um, it, it kept leaking out on the, on the net. And we're like, you know, the, the, the producers and the, the distributors were like, you know what's new about it you know I mean it's out there and then <sighs> Roger went away <laughs> uh, you know he had a um, he had a situation in his life he had to clean up and he did and he came back and um, there was like you know um, they weren't interested anymore right was and, the I'm sorry I was just going to ask you this was that was that script? Was it like Bruce was one way and they made Reggie another way in it or something? Yeah. Oh, like they were... Yeah. He was very, Reggie's character was very passive uh, uh, compared to the the Bruce character. And, oh, that's, that's uh, a I shame. Like that. Yeah, that's... You know, and... Um, but that, uh, you know, again, we... You know, you throw enough money at it and you throw enough... Uh, um, production meetings at it eventually something good comes out of it you know right. because you have creatives that want the same thing the same thing is, is that you want another phantasm right, right. but um, I also know that Bruce was not at that place uh, mentally he did not want to because um, he uh, after having done phantasm I mean uh, after having done Baba Hotep he was done. He he wanted to move on, and uh, he he had other things, you know. Go, uh, he had a lot of irons in the fire, and he he didn't want to. He had had a taste of uh, what it was to do independent film, and he was you know he was used to you know star wagons and and uh, you know big production value, uh, you know union stuff, and he was really not into um, independent uh, productions. He, he just wasn't into it. And um, he, he just, he didn't, didn't want to have to deal with the kind of budgets uh, that uh, producers were, uh, or backers were offering, I think. I think. That's, I mean, again, opinions are like, you know. Right. <laughs> opinions. <laughs> and, um, and I think that Everybody just, has one, right? <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that Bruce's head would have been into this at, at this time. He just, I know for a fact that he has said that he, he, he would never have been interested in this project uh, the way it was written at the time. Um, and, uh, but, you know, uh, there was a very uh, huge divide in fandom uh uh, at the time as to whether that would have worked or not. Right. But um, uh, I know that, um, you know, we, uh, th there was also a huge demand for another phantasm. Sure. And, right. Uh, John, John really just kind of 
you know, after Bubba Hotep, he had he um, he had met uh, David Hartman, and uh, uh, David had done some CGI for him on Fanta- uh, on Bubba Hotep, rather, <laughs> and um, he, he he did the graf- uh, there's there's he, he did some of the CGI stuff on um, on Bubba Hotep. Okay, and um, and uh, so. He got to work with Don, you know, pretty closely. They had a, a similar work ethic, and uh, he saw some of the stuff that uh, you know. David is a is a talent in in a uh, in a huge way. I mean, he besides Winnie the Pooh, uh, he also <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also <laughs> he has Sideshow Monkey, which is his own company. He uh, he has uh, been doing. Um, the Transformers Optimus Primes. He does. Um, wow. He does. Um, you know, he he was working for Disney. He worked for Hasbro. He he was. He, I mean, he God, he's got a huge crib. He's been Emmy uh, Emmy nominated and he won Emmys. And I mean, it's like, come on. I mean, this guy has he had a lot of cred behind him. Plus, he was yeah. doing you know short films on the sides. And I mean, he's he. he always constantly honing his his um, his talent absolutely and the guy never rests you know he's <laughs> always doing something he has this little group that he works with and he's all he's such a gracious young man well young man he's well he's a little younger than me but he's he's um <laughs> he's I mean, young huh? he, he's young um <laughs> um, and, and but he he's so gracious and and uh, talented, and so um, so Don brought him in to, and and gave him kind of a challenge. He said, "Okay, well, why don't we just go out and shoot some stuff and let's let's you know the big webisodics started coming in, and so it's like, okay, well, let's start a webisodic. Let's let's shoot some stuff and let's try to do a webisode. Let's go out and just shoot some things like you do." Um, uh, on your weekenders, you know, yeah. shoot a short. Now, were these were these tests for time. Oblivion? Is that what this? Huh? We're still talking about Oblivion. Uh, no, it, going in a Ravager. He, Ravager. he was Ravager. he was uh, uh, during Oblivion. I think David went on to he was like doing some other stuff. With, I think that's when he was working on Optimus. Oh, okay, okay. And so. Um, I think I think actually I think David did something on Ford. I can't remember if he did anything on Ford or not. But if he did, it was like way in the background. Okay. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, that's how. But that's where between Bubba Otep and Phantasm Four is when uh, Don started uh, bringing de- uh, putting. Uh, you know, and that's that's how Don works. Though is he he'll meet someone. And see their their skill sets and kind of put them in the background and uh, uh, in the back of his mind. And that's you know he doesn't forget anything or anyone. Well, I definitely want to talk about him in a sec if that's cool because I I've got a few questions about Ravenger. But as far as four goes, so the 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 thing with Bruce Campbell was you know just ludicrous and then dawn moved on and then reggie you you guys shot oblivion oblivion oh yeah uh yeah boy i'm sorry what about i missed the question yeah, the, 
they said, hey, that sounds cool because they were making money because people wanted to come in and, you know, uh, see the music and hear the music yeah. and see the entertainers. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I got uh, some, I opened it up uh, uh, for the Hoot Nights and from the Hoot Nights I would find people that were so good that we would actually pay them to come in and play uh, as a second act uh, or, uh, you know, uh, every night. And, uh, and it just, it just really kind of, you know, promoted music, uh, in, in Belmont Shore, uh, you know, th- that area of Long Beach that was really nice, uh, that didn't have any really music particularly going on. And so I've always loved situations like that where there was an opportunity to, to build a creative experience, uh, for everyone to enjoy. Which is really where, you know, when we came back together for Phantasm um, 4, we felt like there was, it was like a family reunion. Well, sure, it looks like the cast was all back and, yeah, And everybody looked great. Yes, definitely. And it was, and this was my first time working with the the crew and when I came on, I didn't have a title. I worked 14 positions on that film. Wow. And uh, then we, uh, which often happens on a, <laughs> on a film, really, especially. And um, yeah, hey, we negotiated. Yeah, like, can you move that uh, that thing from there to over there? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll get it. Yeah. But, it's, it's, on a non-union it's not really film, a role, you know. That's why I prefer non union films. <laughs> uh, but, right. uh, yeah, so I. I we negotiated later as to um, the number of credits <clears throat> and what those credits would be. Absolutely. And, uh, which was, you know, perfectly fine with me. And, and but they took me in, you know, to the fold just like I had always been there, you know. That's amazing. And, um, and it was my first opportunity to get to work with, you know, not only Reggie, but uh, it, it started out as being, uh, I was just going to do you know, be Reggie's assistant, and then, then it got to be more and more in uh, in depth, and then I wound up being uh, Goop Girl, as we call her. You know, <laughs> you know, if it was oh, yeah, yeah. nasty and goopy, you know, I, I, I yeah, I got there. to be Goop Guy a few times. Yeah, <laughs> we have that infamous Goop scene, which was actually done in the warehouse, and. Um, uh, as a pickup and uh, Don it, we actually nailed it on the first time but Don Don shoots on a ratio of 5 to 1 right uh, you do it 5 times to get to one good shot yep. so I got gooped in the mouth uh, five. 5 times <laughs> just, just leaning out of my car to see what was on my roof yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't the that, but, uh, the yellow uh, as we call it yellow shit uh, yeah. the yellow blood <laughs> formula that we used um, in that one was um, it was somebody else's formula and I, I didn't really care for it because it's basically I won't put anything into somebody else's mouth that, that I won't put in my own Right. and by that time it was like not good <laughs> oh <laughs> no we had already shot out in the desert and it was already going bad because uh, I used sorbitol to keep things from turning uh, either too hot or too cold sure. or too cool. long or whatever, and I used sorbitol in my 
my formula. And uh, and so by, the stuff that we did had, I, I wound up throwing out because it, <laughs> it was so bad. And so um, uh, I, re- I remade a batch and uh, that was actually tolerable. And, uh, <laughs> and like I said, uh, Don had me do it and we nailed it on the first time and then he goes, uh, <clears throat> we need to do it some more. That was actually a really good shot. He says, but we want to get a few more shots. <laughs> he goes, uh, I want you to do it like, I'll, I'll pretty much get more of his face in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we, we wound <laughs> covering his entire face and, and it was like, this is after we had already done this out in the desert yeah. uh, at two in the morning where he had, you know, fully, you know, we call it called it the full frontal because he wound up <laughs> covered in that stuff. And, you know, two in the morning in Death Valley, and it was, you know, cold because there's, you know, the, it gets really cold out in the desert. And yeah, yeah. It was, it was nasty-ass shit. And what was funny is it said it, um, it dehydrates uh, because all, all of the moisture, there's no moisture out in the Death Valley. <laughs> So all the moisture would dehydrate from it, and I'd have to, it would just turn to paper. Yeah. And so I would have to clean his face and then reapply it after every shot. Absolutely. And then once they checked the gate, then we'd have to go again, and I'd have to reapply, and oh, I felt so bad for it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys... Yeah, it was really terrific. Did I, I think I mentioned it's really fun being an actor, prancing <laughs> around in little yeah, pink panties and, uh, <laughs> you know, getting shit. Uh, you know, Reggie uh, did is, does, you know, <laughs> Reggie was doing all his own stunts, and so on that film, uh, he was, <laughs> uh, again, we're out in, uh, you know, we based in Lone Pine, and, uh, which is equal distance between the highest and lowest points on continental U.S., uh, Mount Whitney and awesome. Death Valley, and we would shoot in the Alabama hills uh, for a lot of the tall man stuff, but then we would shoot out in Death Valley uh, for the desert scenes. Yeah. And um, so uh, there were scenes where he was being uh, thrown by the trooper, in the demon trooper, into uh, <laughs> into the trunk <laughs> of the trooper car. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, um, <laughs> and the was he would have to uh, run, hit a mini tramp, and <coughs> jump into the uh, trunk of the, the demon trooper car right. 15 times pro- oh. with a progressive arc, which <laughs> means that the um, mini tramp was being brought farther and farther away to get the arc. And he did, the, he nailed it every time, man. He was like, you know, in there, and he would you know, Bob Ivy was there right. uh, as stunt coordinator, so he was like, you know, monitoring it. He had the, you know, uh, hard packs underneath the costume, and everything was, you know, copacetic. And it's not yep. a problem. He was like leaning out of the tr- uh, out of the um, uh, window of the trooper car, you know, looking up at the demon trooper, and uh, that's a very dangerous thing to do, by the way, because, you know, you can damage your back, you can break your back, you can uh, damage your nerves, not a problem. He goes through all of these things, you know, throwing around with the dwarves and all this stuff, not a problem. He goes and he, it was something like, I think the 
second or third night on the set, he throw, he goes and he turns to adjust uh, the hard pack, and he has this burning, shooting pain that goes across his back. And I can tell, oh, I I have one of those backs. I know that look on his face, and I went, oh shit, and <laughs> he had torn. The connective tissue between the muscle and the back. Oh. And he, from then on, every day, started the day with a shot of scotch and a Vicodin. Oh, wow. <laughs> Actually, it was two Vicodins. The real trooper. Yeah. Every day, started that way. A shot of scotch and a, and a couple of Vicodin in order to, and then I had to uh, wait until he kicked in, and then I pulled him out of bed because he could not move. Wow! And that's how we did. We shot all of all of the Lone Pine and Death Valley stuff with that. Wow. Uh, that way. So he got and hurt during the shooting of it. During the shooting of it, adjusting his backpack. Not oh. not from the not from the actual stunts. But from <laughs> yeah, so messing with his backpack. The hard pack. Oh man! And then, and then we had, um, <laughs> then we uh, 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 in that thing of you know uh, what was my job? Um, uh, <laughs> Mike Baldwin was you know he was co-producer on that, right? And right. he wanted to make sure everything was you know going according to plan because he he was very conscientious and he wanted to do a good job you know right and he's 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 really such a um fastidious uh producer as a producer um that's awesome he's uh he's so mindful of how everything you know was was going and we <laughs> Things were rough. Let's just say from the beginning, and um, we had when we had our uh, first blow, uh, the big explosions. It was with the hearse, right? And again, it's an effect. And Bob Ivy uh, had me do the prep on him uh, with the. Um, um, flame retardant gel, <laughs> yeah. which, God, I wish I had had somebody taking pictures of that. <laughs> he said he, he, he's in his uh, his uh, long johns and his boots and everything, and he, he's having me put this gel on him, and he said, you know, in, in some cultures, we'd be married. <laughs> 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 it was interesting. So uh, we had um, a just... Uh, um, a tall man mask that had been distressed, it, it was, had been used before, so it was compromised. So I had to double gel that, and then he puts that on, and then we put on a, a tall man costume, which is uh, uh, polyester. Right. Polyester turns to glass when it's exposed to heat. Mm-hmm. So um, we do, the, and the, the hearse gag was actually a double blow. It, it The first, it, the hearse explodes and then and with a huge fireball and then it explodes again and it, it blows out and catches the tall man on, on fire. Yeah. And uh, so um, 
he catches fire and the code, you know, or the, the uh, signal is that he falls to his knees, falls down, and then he taps three times, and that's the signal to put him out. So uh, they put him out, and then I go running in. I have leather gloves on, and I go running in <coughs> to uh, <coughs> take the, the costume off of him because you, you basically it melted, and I have to break it off of him because right. it turned to glass. Right. And I have to get that leather or that... Uh, um, uh, a latex mask off of him because it's melting. Right. And Reggie <laughs> and Mike are standing there, and Michael goes, "What the fuck is she doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, "Her job." <laughs> and he goes, "What is her job?" Because that. <laughs> so, uh, so that was that was like our first blow, and then. Uh, and then the, the second one was the Demon Trooper car, which um, that was a five-camera operation. Which that wow, that was a that would that took hours and hours to set up. Sure. And then uh, and of course the scene is that you know Reggie takes the um, the uh, road uh, road flare and he goes blow me or, or no I'm sorry he goes uh, some some uh, cops are just assholes and he yeah. tosses the the thing into the tank and um, and that was a double blow as well uh, because the first the car blows and then uh, the trooper comes out and kicks the door open and then he ignites as he comes out of the car well uh, Bob and his his partner did not want to take they were going back to Texas and they did not want to take the fuel back with them so they double and triple loaded the fuel cones on the car making the explosion about two or three times larger than we expected right and you know you're in a small town when <laughs> the paramedics that are the firefighters that are on on duty that night uh, with the uh, fire extinguishers served you breakfast in the diner the day before. <laughs> <laughs> Small town. A good contact. And so, um, Bob, everything goes off without a hitch. Yeah, and I think it was Saturday night as well. It was Saturday Small night. Small town Saturday night. Yeah, no, that was... That, oh, wait, that's another film. Yeah, um, and uh, so, everything explodes, everything's fine. Uh, Bob comes out, he kicks the door open, he explodes, everything's cool, he drops, and we keep waiting for him to give the signal, and he's milking it, and we're like, damn it, Bob, and we're about ready to run in if he doesn't, you know, give the signal, and finally, at the last minute, he gives the signal, and we go in, and we're, like, putting out the fire, and the fire's not going out, it keeps pooling, and, and reigniting, and I'm like, and the little diner chick firefighter next to me. Now, I used to be a firefighter in Kingwood, Texas, so I'm like, give me, and, and the fire extinguisher she had was almost as big as she was. So I went, give me that thing. So I went and I took the fire uh, extinguisher away from her, and I went and ran in and I helped with the uh, big guys, and I kind of, we squished out the fire. And then I just grabbed Bob and I pulled him out of the pool of fuel that he was standing in. And then I started going after the boots he had on, except they had melted to his ankles. So we just loaded Jeez. him up in the back of the truck, 
and hauling his ass off to the, to the <laughs> RV we had. And the, none of the firefighters had any uh, burn gel. And I'm like, Reggie, go to the car and get the first aid kit. So <laughs> oh, no. Was, Wait a minute, you have burn gel? I'm like, duh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he brings it in I break out the burn gel and we do the saline and we break out the burn gel and by that time I've cut the boots off and oh my gosh she had um, like the silver dollar size blisters on his oh, ankle no. and so yeah. we loosely wrap it and get them take him with the, the paramedics take him off and he, he recovered pretty quickly after that but it was it was a little gnarly uh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, you know, and that's, you know, the yeah, gnarliness of, of independent filmmaking, you know. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I wanted to ask the two of you, did did, did you and Reggie get, did you guys get along with the K&B FX guys? No, not at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nope. Actually, um, we were sitting doing a Wishmaster autograph signing at Dark Delicacies and there's Greg Nicotero on one side, Bob Kurtzman on the <clears> other <throat> of Reggie and um, we were trying to figure out how to or actually we had talked to Don and go, look all you got to do is ask them, I'm telling you they will come on board and we'll work out the budget later and he's like oh we can't afford him, we can't afford him Reg, Reg, we can't afford him and I'm like Don, how will you know if you don't ask him? And right. he goes, oh, I'm telling you, we, I don't want to ask him. And, and so Reggie's sitting there and he's signing away, you know, and they're having a good time and everything. And, you know, Andrew Devoff, another friend, because he lives on the mountain with us, you know. Yeah, and, um, amazing. Awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're sitting there, we're all having a good time and everything. And um, so Reggie goes, so... What would you think of, you know, coming on board for, um, you know, a fiercely independent, really kick-ass, independent, and he didn't even get the story out, <laughs> and and Kurtzman, or uh, I forget, no, it was Nicotero goes, look, Reg, dude, you know, of course we want to make another Phantasm, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how we got... Uh, uh, all of the the mask and uh, was it the mask? I think it was the mask and the boobs uh, <laughs> out of uh, Nicotero and and Kurtzman and those guys. Awesome. And uh, so yeah, so that's how we got them on board. They were, of course they were going to be involved. They were already right. on board. They were on board before <laughs> Don even asked them. <laughs> awesome. Know. That's amazing. The same thing with you know five. They they were like throwing stuff at us. You know. Yeah, and you know. Um, uh, off another one of those off-topic things. Uh, you know, we made the rage with uh, Kurtzman, right? And um, and then um, and then Nicotero, strictly by coincidence, uh, a marketing company asked me to um, because I was the only special effects artist at Comic Con in 2012. They were doing the Walking Dead premiere there. The Kurtzman was going to be yeah. on stage, and they needed someone to do zombies, uh, zombies right. Walking Dead. You know, right. and um, they so they called me up to put a team together. And so I just I talked to Kurtzman about you know, well, I, I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he, so I, he goes, I hope you're going to ask for a lot of money. And I went, no, they're 
not giving a lot of money. And he goes, look, don't worry about the supplies. Just put your team together. We'll provide all the supplies and just, you know, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll, and one of my guys are going to come out anyway. And he goes, you know, don't worry about it. Just have fun with it. And so we wound up uh, putting him on the cover of USA Today. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> How about that? Happy. Yeah, so <laughs> it worked. So yeah, we we kind of get along. <laughs> Again, we're all family, you know. Right. So. <laughs> I always I always wondered about that because I know Nicotero was a Savini student, and you know he's real big with the Walking Dead and stuff. He was my my mentor too. I, really? I, I learned from Tom Savini's books. That's how I taught. Oh, they're, those oh they're so great those books. I know. Um, Yeah, Tom's tired of hearing the story, actually. (laughs) (laughs) When you, um, so years pass, and then this is something that I don't know as a fan, and to hear it from the two of you would mean the world, I think, probably to me and Corey. Maybe Corey does know this. I don't know this. Yes, I sleep with the regiment every night. Well, well, this is this. That would be true. That, that's yeah. that's fascinating. I, I would. I, okay. <laughs> but what was the reason for David's involvement in Ravenger as opposed to Dawn directing Ravenger? Because I don't know this answer. Next generation. But I mean, did, did Dawn not want to do it, or? No, it's not that. It was. It's really. He, he he wanted to try something new, and he wanted to breathe life and you know new life into it. And right. um, Don is always looking for new life and right. uh, uh, new ideas. And uh, um, and again, David had this thing going on where he would like take uh, a group of. Uh, guys and go and shoot things on weekends. Right. And and that's kind of how it evolved. Sure. And um, uh, yeah, David uh, said, uh, or, you know, Don actually went to David and said, hey, you know, you know you're, you're still doing those film group things and stuff and I really kind of like what you've been doing. And uh, he said, why don't, why don't we, I don't know where we're going with this. I don't have a budget. Uh, why don't we just grab Reggie and Dee and some of the guys and why don't we just go and shoot some stuff you know and mind you there was a table read for an idea I think it was that was 1990 it was either 1999 or 2012 I forget I don't know right anyways one of them there was a script that was a table read in between all of this and they had thought about going with that it just didn't work out and then um and then, but then, you know, David came along, and they were, and Don goes, "Why don't we just go and just shoot some stuff and and see what develops, see right. where it goes, right?" And right. started shooting, started shooting some stuff on weekends and long holidays, and um, then we had next thing you know, we had enough that Don goes, "Well, you know, maybe we," and we started calling it Reggie Tales. Awesome. And so then. Um, then Don says, well, you know, we have enough. We could do a webisodic. Yeah. And so we went with that idea. And then it developed even further. We actually started developing a script. 
ish. And then it was like, you know, we got way more than a webisode here. And finally, at one point, John took him aside and went, okay, you know what? We're going to go for a feature, and you're going to direct. And David goes, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> if, you, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how, that's literally how it developed. It's amazing. And seven years later... Right. <laughs> One of the most talked about sequels... Uh, to a franchise yes, think, non, you know. you know, it was non-talked about you know in right. seven years <laughs> yeah. right well you know it was it was a secret film being made but as far as the fan base and what they were wanting they're like when's hey when's Phantasm hey when's when's part five hey Reggie when's part five us. yeah and you know it, it was, was killing us man <laughs> <laughs> I think it because you know we Reggie and I are there we are there for our fans Right. And we kept telling them, don't lose hope, don't lose hope, yep. don't lose hope. I'm telling you, don't lose hope. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, anytime Dom would be asked, he'd just be like, well, you know, you never know what might happen. And, you know, well, you never you never know. And oh, you know, guys kept that's it true. up, you know. It's, it's Man, they were pumping us like, yeah. like a, a <laughs> well in West Texas. I am telling you. <laughs> Yeah, that was, crank was getting tired. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, to a large extent, uh, we don't know, uh, you yeah. know, at any given time, uh, <laughs> what's going down, or you know, what when are we going to are we going to start next week or this week? Well, what's going on, you know? And uh, but that's again, you know, part of that uh, my computer got creativity. You know, my computer got hacked twice. One guy was looking for. Uh, um, the word it, it was just literally looking for the word script on my computer oh no um, little, smart ass. Clue, yeah. I was a spook in the army <laughs> okay. you better explain that honey. if you were going to try to hack somebody's computer do it on someone who wasn't a hacker yeah. okay there you go you don't people used to make fun of me for having so many firewalls on my computer they don't make fun of me anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> Their computers kaput. <laughs> that, that particular one died. Oh, I don't know why. But, hmm. Oh, shit. <laughs> Your computers are protected by the four-barrel shotgun. I with the four-barrel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And I, I no, literally, I, we were right in the middle of, oh, we were in the middle of, it was really weird because uh, one died, um, one of the laptop. Uh, the second one was a laptop. We were shooting uh, the gas of a Johnny X, and uh, uh, it got hacked. And the only thing that got out of it was a singular photo, and that was of Reggie um, in, at Challenger Park, where, where we uh, had shot a very preliminary, you know, chase scene. Uh, right. We were doing some test shoots. I think we weren't even like shooting the main body of the film we were just right. doing some test shoots and that leaked out and it wound up on IMDb as, as if it was like the real film oh, I think I remember that oh yeah. god I caught such shit for that and I'm like <laughs> yeah it came off of my computer but I didn't put it there <laughs> you know and so I I uh, 
did a deep search on my computer and I found the IP and I'm like it didn't go to anybody that we knew and I, right. I'm like taking it into the text and they're like well you got hit with a Trojan and I'm like yeah no shit <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to tell me who did the hit you know and when I found out then tell me who that lone condom was it, yeah well it came from a convention <laughs> website wow, wow. It, it wasn't Comic Con but it was like uh uh, it was another big convention, and it caused some hard feelings. I, all I did was I said, "Look, you know, uh, it came from your website, and I, I I'm not saying that you guys that did, you it. did it. I'm just saying that yeah. whose IP it came from. Yep. And we never talked to them again. I'm like, really? Wow. Really? I'm giving you the heads up that you have a bug, and and you're telling, okay, whatever. <laughs> and so that was the second one. The, and the first one. Um, came back to an individual IP uh, in like China <laughs> and nice. I know that that was a bounce right. and so um, and then uh, you know and then we got hit with yeah the third thing and that was that was some guy in Germany so I'm like Interesting. you know we it's like of all of the family that you want to get uh, want to hit, of all of the people in the world you want to hit, you, why do you keep trying to hit me? Because I'm like the most impenetrable person that you could hit of all of the people <laughs> in the franchise. This class, You're an tech, idiot. this class is uh, tech savvy 101. Right. <laughs> <laughs> idiots. <laughs> or as, as they say on Supernatural, idiots. Right, yeah. <laughs> But they, I don't know. That's that's very interesting. Um, but as far as Ravenger as a film, um, it, it really is interesting to know all that stuff about it coming into it. You know, it's like they're trying to hack Star Wars. You know, that's how big this thing actually was. You know, for us fans. But um, I think it paid off. I really love. It's it's a very gritty phantasm film if that makes sense it just has a lot of yeah. balls to it you know not not yeah, like the other yeah. ones didn't but this one has got half for cgi and half for not <laughs> you know the, yeah. the balls are back but i mean now they're in full swing if you will um the, now, the, right, it, it, it's uh, very good i really enjoy balls, it talking about balls talking about balls there's um uh there's this, the big ball scene where he's gang-balled, as we call it. There's a it. lot of balls yeah, in three. Yeah, gang-balled, yeah. <laughs> okay. Reggie had a lot of balls. Yeah. He does have a lot of balls. But there's the mama who makes the balls. Right. Uh, makes the balls happen, I should say. There's Terry Pryor and there's the other guys that, that all make the balls. Right. Uh, but uh, there's the girl that makes the balls happen. <laughs> and so coming into four, um, there's... Um, when we went to shoot the scene, we had to recreate the the game ball scene. Right. Except nobody had bothered to map out which balls were attached to the costume, which balls were hanging, and which balls were actually on his person. Right. And so, uh, and then there was the balls that moved. And then, so, um, I, here I am, like, about uh, I guess everybody kind of broke for lunch I think it was and I was standing there on set with a VHS tape and a remote control and a monitor and a piece of paper and pen going back and forth and back and forth trying to uh, figure out which balls 
were where. Right. And I literally mapped out the balls. <laughs> so that we could only... I'm not going to interject in anything into this, uh, by the way. Yeah, I'm mapping so Reggie's balls. Mapping Reggie's balls. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. So, I, oh, so, so that oh, we could only put the costume once. Right. So, so that, that's how that scene became uh, continuity on that one happened. Wow. And then there's the swarm. The swarm happened because we... Um, we're editing um, a, a music, a political music video, which I like to do. Um, awesome. Uh, Love that's gone about the buffalo, and and we were at an uh, edit edit suite down in uh, Irvine, and a friend of mine, a friend of ours, uh, Dave Sterling, uh, said, "You know, you have, there's a, a big fan. I want you to meet him." And he's a CGI guy, and I'm telling you, he's got this uh, this uh, this segment, and you have got to see this. So he takes us downstairs and he shows us, and I'm like, I need a copy of this. Um, if I can get this into four, would would you would you do that? And he goes, oh, Yeah. He goes, I'd do it for free. And I went, No, 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 dude, <laughs> you don't do anything for free. I, I'm telling you, Don, I'll pay you something. I don't know what you get, but. I'm telling you, he, he'll want this. He goes, right. okay, yeah, 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 anything. So um, so we get a copy of it, and we were going to go to uh, see the edit of four, or no, uh, uh, three, no, four, um, when, uh, like, the next day or two. And so we get to the edit suite of four, and I, I show Don, I go, look, Don, you've got to see this. So I pop it in, and it's the swarm. And Don just blows it. He's like, oh, my God, this is awesome. <laughs> but I can't look. Jeez, there is nobody. I'm telling you, Don, just, and, and Reggie and Don, and I forget who else was uh, in the suite, uh, the editor. Uh, oh, Scott, Scott, um, I forget Scott's last name. But uh, anyway, the editor and, and then I think one other person were there. And they were all talking. The men were all talking amongst themselves. Meanwhile, I get the guy on the phone. <laughs> and I just hand the phone over to Don and I went make a deal and that's how the swarm got in so we had the swarm that was a fan creation and then um, and then <laughs> then we had the CGI uh, 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 versus practical on four right with David Everyone goes, oh my God, Gigi, you know, which ones were real and which ones were CGI? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't tell, why the hell would I tell you? You know, it's like, and then everyone's going, well, what's it like, you know, being CGI versus practical? You know, isn't it very difficult to work with somebody, uh, a director who's CGI? And it's like, no, not if you have the right guy. And the right guy. And, we were actually conspiring together because with budget constraints, Don was trying to pull gags and yeah. David and I were conspiring to put more gags in. So <laughs> we would keep David or Don busy on one part of the set, setting up another scene, and David and I would go and shoot something else with one of the, one of the practical gags right. that we were going to cut. And we would go and we'd figure out a way to make the practical gag work. And then he would take and go back in and edit and enhance it so whatever I would do he would enhance it right so he just made my work look that much better so he's just he's really 
like I said, he's just really gracious that way. And, and awesome. He, he's really the best uh, uh, CGI VGI guy that I've I've ever worked with. Cool. So that's our ball the ball story. Yeah, I, you know, and uh, David did a great job on Ravager. I mean, I was I was blown away. You know, I actually as a fan, I waited a little while to watch it. You know, I wasn't. I waited till I was ready for it. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, man, this is like the last Phantasm movie, you know? Um, or, or is it? Or is it? You know? <laughs> um, but hey, we did a we did a ton of green screen. That's right. And, All right. You well. know, and then John still has a lot of stuff from the first and second. And yeah, like uh, outtake stuff. That's uh, oh, that'd be really incredible. cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that that new uh, that Wellgo box set that was put out. Um, what an, what an amazing fan package that was! It was just beautifully beautifully uh, done, and I think the the Blu-rays, yeah, the Blu-rays. I think the the restoration of, of older horror movies really brought back horror itself, and I think there's a newfound appreciation for it now. People are going back and recollecting VHSs they lost, and you I mean, know the it's, it's you crazy. know the story about how JG did that, right? <laughs> you know what? I want to tell you something. I'm dying to actually hear how he did this, but I have to tell both of you this. I'm being perfectly honest about this I am not a fan of his at all and I went I'm not but I but I and you can ask Corey this and God is my witness and I'm not even religious but I went on our podcast and said what a fantastic job he did restoring the film Corey and I went to a horror film festival down in Florida last year and we actually got to see the first film uh, remastered and what a what a loving job he did with it and uh, he really did he did yeah. and you can thank Star Trek and Star Wars for paying for it <laughs> yeah well I mean I guess something came out of it so that's it's he, he did such he, a great job um, yeah he really did his his crew Bad Robot um, I've did. been a fan of Bad Robot for a very long time I used to be a Star Trek party girl so I <laughs> <laughs> I used to hang out with all the original cast, including Gene and Majel. And, uh, it's amazing. So, you know, us Texans, we got to stick together, you know. Sure, it's amazing. And, um, and um, so, yeah, so uh, Bad Robot um, was in the process of, uh, you know, doing the rendering and everything or, uh, for um, uh, Star Wars and... and uh, Star Trek, and so they were like, you know, wanted to. He wanted to show um, the original uh, to his company for a company gathering. And Don goes, "Well, I, uh, you know, all I, I've got a thirty-five. He says, but it's really in bad shape." And he goes, well, "I don't care. It's all right." He goes, <laughs> oh God, no, really, you don't. Under-. He goes, "Look, Don, it's all right. You know, it's just a." It's like, but these are Star Wars degree. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so <laughs> luckily JJ, you know, previewed it, and he goes, "Don, this is in really bad shape because I told you." <laughs> and he goes, "Well, he goes, let me let me fix it." And he goes, "I don't have that kind of money." He goes, "I don't care." He goes, "I didn't ask you that." So um, basically, and, you know, uh, while Star Trek or Star Wars would be on one thing or you know station or whatever Phantasm would be on the other and so they'd go work on one one you know at one point and 
while it was doing its thing, and they'd go and work on Phantasm, and they'd call Don and go, okay, we've got a few hours, come, can you come in? And sure, you know, they'd make some corrections, and, <laughs> yeah. and right down to, like, nose hairs, and the yellow, the disappearing yellow bucket, and, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, was, it was great. You know? He really did. He did a lot. And, 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 and it's and beautiful. And then he got to the audio, and he's like, let me fix oh, the audio, it's, too. It's amazing. Like, oh, jeez. You know, haven't you done enough? He goes, no. Me, you know, I'm our, I, it's right here. It's just a little bit more work, you know. Right. And so that's how we wound up with this beautiful remastered piece. You know? It's yeah, It was one of the greatest things we did last year. And as a young fan myself, to see that in the theater fully restored how it was was really an incredible experience for me because you know yeah, that's really cool. it's my favorite phantasm film you know and it's my favorite horror movie period and actually my first convention ever was a phantasm reunion uh up in chattanooga huh. tennessee so i mean i was you know it's awesome that, that that kind of set everything in full circle whenever i saw with the doctor here uh phantasm in theaters i was like wow you know this is really cool you know when he when he announced to us <laughs> when he announced to us that there was going to be a delay uh in the release because it was supposed to release earlier right right i was like jesus christ you know <laughs> how much longer are we supposed to wait you know because yeah. i'm like you know i can't talk about it we can't talk about it we can't show my work we can't do you know and it's my best uh special effects work ever, you know, and it's the largest culmination of my, the body of my work, so to speak, right. or dead bodies of my work, <laughs> um, in, and, and it's not just my effects work, but it's also location work, it's also uh, prop work, I mean, like the barn, we built the barn, Right. My, me and my uh, interns, we built that barn for him, mm-hmm. out of my haunted house props, <laughs> and and so we built the barn for him. He wanted a barn. We built the barn. We we gave him the location. It's called the ranch. We 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 have a ranch that we shoot at uh, locally. That it used to be an operating horse ranch. Now it's it's not. And, <laughs> and we and we shoot at it a lot. And uh, so we used something like I think sixteen interns or something. And um and you know I mean we did we did that we. For Christ's sake, my house is in this film. You know, it took right. me three months to get the, all the goop out of the carpet in, in my bedroom. <laughs> you know, oh God. Yeah, that was a goopy uh, oh, shot. God. Oh God, all that yellow shit. You know. Oh, oh no, hers was red. <laughs> oh, hers was that red. That was even That's worse. Right. Oh my God. Oh, and, <laughs> then, yeah. and then the house was a wreck after uh, afterwards because yeah. you know we just kind of like took everything out of the bedroom and out of, everything out of the spare room and. It, oh God! It was it was oh, what a yeah. We had to live here, right? Yeah, we lived here. Yeah. So that's that's your old house in the in Ravenger. This is my house. The inside, the interiors are all our house. The exteriors were the ranch. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that's crazy. And then uh, then there's you know some beautiful scenes that got cut because it just I don't know why they got cut. But there was a scene where Reggie goes through. There's a, a exterior uh, door, glass door on the ranch that uh, he, uh, when the spheres go through the door, which, hey, how about that gag? <laughs> uh, um, he runs out, he closes the door, the sphere pierces the door, and he runs down the stairs and he runs out the front door. 
And when he runs out the front door, uh, originally we shot it, he goes through the glass door. And that was an expensive gig, man. We gave him two shots at that <laughs> and uh, with sugar glass. And um, uh, and I think it was, do we? yeah, we, we, we shot it once. Uh, he did it, and it was beautiful <coughs> the first time, but we were able to flip it around and give him another shot at that. And that it didn't get used. And I'm like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, I only ran through it twice. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever used sugar glass, but not only is it expensive, it hurts. Right. <laughs> you know, everyone thinks, oh, it's sugar glass. Yeah, yeah it'll cut you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so there's, you know, a lot of stuff that, you know, we didn't actually use. And, uh, the, you know, I mean, we shot tons and tons of footage on that thing. So, awesome. Yeah, so it was it was it was rough, and it, it, and then but then when we found out it was because he remastered uh, the first one, we were like, okay, got it, understand, not a problem. <laughs> we we can live with it. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, how long did it take him to remaster that original film? Do you know? Well, we were delayed by about I think seven seven eight months, something like that. Wow. For, uh, the release the release oh yeah yeah I think so it, was. it had to be at least that long wow so if not longer like so, I said I don't know when he started it he I'm not a fan of his stuff I'm a huge Star Trek fan but I did not like the stuff he did with that but I absolutely love what he did with that Phantasm remaster I'll give him all the credit yeah, in the world it was for a that. Of love, definitely. He, yeah and you can tell it was and I know for people listening to this that are oddly enough not Phantasm fans, uh, somehow. Um, he named <laughs> Captain Phasma in the newer Star Wars trilogy and, and after Phantasm. Yeah, and he did yeah. the chrome from the you know the the, the spheres, which is insane. So you know he he threw his love in there, and he actually ended up making the movie restored. And I thought that was very neat, you know, that they actually went and did that. So. Um, yeah, Phantasm cool. has gotten a lot of kudos lately. Uh, Good. I think there was game or something that it was. Uh, it was in the background. It showed up on the background of, of huh. another, either another. Oh no, it was another film. I think it, it, it was showing on the TV. Uh, oh, I remember. It was a Japanese. It was supposed to be a Japanese animated film or something, and. It, it was the one part of the film that wasn't animated. It had something like right. Roku or no, not Roku. That was a, that's a distributor. How <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, but it was a Japanese animated slash not animated thing, and and they have a TV in the going in the background. And in the background, it shows Fantasma. Um, I think it's Ravager. I can't wow, remember. that's great. That's cool. Yeah, and that was yeah, the I overall. Fan reception. They did pay the licensing. There you go. <laughs> what was the overall fan reception uh, for Ravager? Um, you meet people at conventions, things like that. Um, they really liked the film. What were they rated yeah. as? Yeah, no, they, uh, they they like it. You know, of course, there's Good. always, you know, when, when you've done, you know, um, uh, yeah, four sequels, let's say. Sure, call them sure. Four sequels. Um, you're always going to find people that um, that came in here or there, 
and then uh, if they haven't been following along all the way yeah. uh, then they have to go back and you know come up to speed <laughs> and something like phantasm you can't just pop in three you won't know you know or even 20 minutes into the first film you need to watch those movies as yeah. they go because you're not going to know what the fuck's going on <laughs> well and um, you know a lot of fans were just so hungry they were so hungry yeah and they were just like you know the first they had to see it more than once yeah right. and it was like you know um, I think it was to be honest with you I think it was best received by the industry colleagues you know wow yeah uh, because they were just like, oh man, we've been waiting so long for this. Yeah. And then, but then, um, you know, they see it once for the uh, shock and awe, and then they go back again for the story. And yeah, it made I me know, go back and, and watch them from start to finish. I, you know, I went. Yeah, yeah. I went right to and five, then, and I think I watched five again. Like right after I watched five, I, I watched. I was like, I got to see that again. I got to take another perspective yeah, out of it. And then that's the, the beauty of DVDs, right? Yeah, <laughs> or, or Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, I know that. Uh, let me tell you the 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 premieres. I mean, I had fans weeping, especially like at the Austin premiere where we did that right. that wonderful um, uh, art theater, coast to coast art theater thing uh, <laughs> with uh, remastered. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a coup, let me tell you. Right. And I had fans, you know, that were they had tears in their eyes. Yeah. And uh, for the experience of getting to meet everybody in the same place, but also um, because you know uh, because of the the, the weight, you know. Uh, um, finally over um it's just so many so many things that were going on all at the same time I mean it was just an overwhelming experience for the fans sure I've only seen I I have to say like I said I've been in the genre uh you know I've I've been blessed I've been in the Star Trek genre and I've been in the uh uh, the horror genre right you know since the 70s and uh, oh god <laughs> and <laughs> and I have only seen the this similar reaction to uh, that that Austin experience I've only seen that same reaction to when Phantasm I mean uh, when uh, Star Trek 4 the Wrath of Khan came out or Star Trek 2 the Wrath of Khan came out wow um, I really the fans were were they had tears in their eyes. They hugged us. They they were hugging Reggie. I thought it right. It's awesome. The death for a little while. <laughs> um, my daughter was with me. I, I was blessed to be able to uh, bring one of my daughters out. Sure. And uh, uh, she was just really just overwhelmed by the response, and she was just like. You know, she wears hearing aids, and she was like, "Mom, the, the the crowd's so loud. I had to turn my hearing aids down." Oh wow! And um, and the Alamo Draft House couldn't have been more uh, more gracious, you know, right. and uh, in hosting it and everything. And I mean, it, uh, I couldn't believe the, the size of the crowd, the, the the lines 
for them. And then, then, and then, of course, I knew that when we were going to get, when we had the Egyptian theater, um, I knew that uh, um, that was going to be a blowout too. Right. And then, um, and then we had a really beautiful crowd at the Limley as well. So, I mean, it just the the premieres really. Um, those were great and then uh, yeah really gratifying oh really gratifying and then uh, reports back from like uh, Justin Zaharachuk our buddy um, he he did uh, he he did a host um, where you can uh, it was a a thing where that I think it was uh, Welco that, uh, that put it together but that you could actually host your own screening um, with I, I think it was 25 tickets sold or something if you could uh, get a theater to go along with you and he actually hosted one in his hometown and um, he said it was just as overwhelming and, and we started seeing those pop up all around the country and that had never happened before I'd never seen that happen before right so I mean it's unbelievable I, I always say you can't say phantasm <laughs> without saying fan right you know, Absolutely. And that just really proved it. And that's part of the reason we spell it that way also, you know, for copyright issues, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want a lawsuit from, from Don. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I felt like fan made more sense because, you know, the way we wanted to present ourselves was embodying phantasm itself, but also turning it out to what we are, which is fans for fans, you know, and uh, right. phantasm itself is such a, a huge phenomena and even to us and uh it's definitely a big part of my childhood so yeah it's, you know. and we make jokes yeah. where you know uh i'm i'm mike and and uh the doctor's jody and stuff you know we, we could, <laughs> none of us could be reggie but you know, <coughs> you know yeah, since i'm the younger guy at, and uh, you know like michael baker balls and, and <laughs> as well as uh your michael baker balls yeah <laughs> is michael here no, it, well, he is in spirit. Oh yeah, but uh, and one of them is a Jody ball. That's oh awesome. God, I'm starting to get jealous. Yeah, they're your balls. So. Oh, that's right. Thanks. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, each of you, and <clears throat> you can tell me why. What is your favorite film? And we'll leave five out just for. Just, just for this, just of of the stuff that Don directed. If you don't care. Uh, Reggie, we can start with you, or, or, or Gigi, whichever you want to do. I just want to start, but uh, of the first four films, which is your favorite? Uh, of the first four? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I hate to be punk about this, but I loved every one of them. No, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> you know, I have to say that, uh, you know, of course, the first one was just an incredible incredibly creative experience because sure. we we did it that we set the that you know we, we set it up for later you yeah. know I mean it was all there the story the uh, uh, the characters uh, they were all there and um, uh, you know what what was great about that was uh, the, the characters I mean you think about Michael you know, and he was a little, he was like a kind of a kid. Right. And so, you know, like kids that saw the film uh, saw themselves as Michael. Uh, you know, people that were brothers of Michael, 
right. <laughs> saw themselves as Jody. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, you know, uh, those guys, uh, you know, maybe had a, a favorite older friend in, in this, uh, you know, in terms of this, it was like the ice cream man was an, <laughs> such a great character. Yeah. Be, you know, because I remember, and, and I'm sure, uh, not a lot of people do, uh, but when I lived in Long Beach, and the good humor uh, ice cream guy, truck guy, <laughs> <laughs> would come uh, you know, through my street uh, every day at the same time. It right. was about, uh, you know, when kids were out of school and stuff. And, uh, and so I got to know, kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the ice cream guys. Right. And they were always, because... Yeah, Part of their job was to be really up and friendly and and happy and you know and you know because they were dealing with children. Sure, right. And, and they wanted to sell their ice cream. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and so you know I totally understood uh, the ice cream uh, truck driver and uh, ice cream man and. Uh, and so, you know, and again, I have to go back to Don, who he also had that same thing going on uh, when he was a kid. Right. And and it was like, you're, I mean, when you heard that, uh, you know, the jingle of the, of the <laughs> truck <laughs> coming through your neighborhood, all the kids would go, ah, ice cream, I scream, you scream, we all scream yeah. for ice cream. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that was kind of the the, the nature of of the Reggie character uh, in Phantasm, and and for him, you know, for it to have developed <laughs> where where he, you know, so strongly he would throw his body uh, on the gates of hell <laughs> for his yep. friends, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and, but you better, if you're, you know, if you're not a good guy, you better get out of the way because I got four barrels. <laughs> yeah. Say Ice and, Cream Man in Hell, that's a good one. That's a good title. <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Maybe. We'll make and, and so, uh, it's another part you know, I think just, you know, the, the, the development <laughs> of, uh, of that Reggie character, the Ice Cream Man character, in, in, you know, from one to five is really remarkable. Oh yeah, definitely in that perspective for sure. Um, yeah, when you see it all yeah, unfold I, into the, you go all the way to five. You're like, wow, it went so far. <laughs> and uh, how the characters yeah. really do develop and become their oh, own. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I get asked uh, by fans a lot uh, if I needed to see two films to explain the series. Which one would it be? And I tell them one in four, because it, it, if you didn't know anything about the franchise, those two explain the whole thing. Yeah. It, it, it's not that three and, uh, or two and three are inconsequential, or two, three, and five are inconsequential. It's that those two encapsulate the... Um, the beginning of the friendships that are, are the it, it talks about um, 
in the beginning it talks about um, the development uh, and the expo- exposition of uh, Jody and Mike and 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 uh, Reggie's characters and the tall man and and represents an innocence uh, a more innocent time and yet there's yeah. this this time where it, it also makes a reference to um, that Jody uh, you know he's returned from the war and that he's a veteran right and and so he has seen some stuff and that's why he knows how to handle a shotgun and absolutely you know warning shots are bullshit <laughs> yeah, with 45 in his hand you, know? you shoot to kill <laughs> and yeah when you when you pull it if you're gonna use a gun you know you shoot to kill warning shots are bullshit awesome. and um it represents you know and you you see that Jody and Michael have been apart because he was at the war right. he came back they're redevelop, reconnecting, but they're reconnecting over a very incredibly sad time. Yeah, they lost their parents. Yeah, and then, but then there's this rock that's always been there, even when Jody was gone, Reggie was there. Right, and that's not to say that Reggie didn't go away too. It's just that Reggie was there for Michael. Yeah, and. He's kind of been the uncle to his little brother. And so Jody has this relationship that's sort of like this camaraderie with Reggie that it's it's sort of like this unspoken relationship that happens between veterans, you know? And, And so that comes across in a very subtle way. And... And so there's this coming of age, this breach of innocence that happens when the tall man comes on the scene and he takes away all of their innocence. What is more innocent than an ice cream man? Right. And he takes a, he takes all of that away. You know, he takes away. He it's the worst summer of of Michael's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, it should be the best. He's got, you know, he's got his moped. He's got his, uh, he's got... Uh, Scoping out Jody and his hot babes and all that. I know. Yeah, yeah. Gets to see, yeah. Boobs, yeah. Gets to see boobs for the first time. Oh, I love that. Him having <laughs> sex, you right. know. Uh, Some you graveyard know, shenanigans, you know. He has yeah. the, his own two hot babes that winds up in the bug, you know. I mean, come on, you know, right. he's... He's free, really, you know, (laughs) even though it's a terrible time. I mean, he's free. It's just him and his big bro, you know, and he's a man about town now, but there's this horrible thing that's happening. And so this is a coming-of-age film that every young man and really teenage girl can can relate to as well. Absolutely. And then there's four where they are now grown they are um, they've been through so much together they've disappeared from each other they've been through dimensions they've reconnected they've been turned into a ball and a yeah Yeah. Yeah. find out their commonality the commonality of their experience which they kind of get together (laughs) just seriously 
and they kind of get together and they figure it out. Yeah. Goddamn. Yeah. Little low and brown. Uh, yeah. What is it? Short and brown and low to the ground. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Scaring across, you know, those damn thing, mothers. Um, <laughs> and you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, what's funny is fans forget that Bakuda actually belonged to Jody originally. Yeah. And Reggie inherited it because Jody turned it into a ball. Yeah. I mean, you can really drive it as a ball. Yeah. Yeah. Hard yeah, it's do. really tough. And so, uh, I mean, it's just all this <laughs> development. And if you had to en- encapsulate the story into two films, it, that's, those are the two films that really kind of does it. And then... Uh, in the end, uh, Michael turns into, <laughs> he has one of those damn balls in his head. In his head, yeah. You know? It's So is he the tall man, or is he the son of tall man, right. or is he, like, is this really just a dream? Right. Or is it, I mean, what the hell is going on here? And that's you how know? you know it's a phantasm film when all those questions come. That's right. Arise. And in the end, Reggie says, like, well done. Wait dude, for yeah. me. I'll, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll come back for you. I'll be back for you. And he goes through the dimension forks, and he comes out in five. And mm. you know, and <laughs> funny story about that damn spear. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael and I had to do an insert uh, with that sphere, the gold sphere, and he um, he had the tall man costume on. Wow. And, uh, for the, because he had to be the tall man's arms, right. and so he's got the spear in his hands, and we have we, we call it the birthing scene where it's, he's pulling the the gold spear out of the Michael head, and so <laughs> I'm gooping it, and we have somebody doing a second unit on it, and he go, he suddenly stops, and I go, what's wrong? And he looks at me, and he goes, do you find this at all? Weird. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of irony in this. <laughs> you're the tall man, and you're the Michael, the tall man, and you're extracting it from your own head. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, weird is Nothing good. Weird. Yeah, no, about that at all. <laughs> Absolutely, weird is good unless uh, the spear is in the president's head. I, you know, that's yeah. Yeah. You know, that would explain a lot. That would wouldn't that explain a lot? <laughs> I'd say it'd probably be a little easier. To... Oh my god, no. <laughs> yeah, that would explain yeah. a lot. Say it'd be okay. a, a good anyway. time for the Phantasm franchise to take a political turn. Uh, <laughs> there'd be a lot you can play off of these days, you know. As weird as oh, everything yeah. is. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you know, that's why we have science fiction and horror, so we can enjoy ourselves and, you know. Um, yeah, it's not yeah. supposed to be in reality. We can live beyond <laughs> people, in another I realm. I want my drama on the screen, not right. on my set and not <laughs> in my life. Yeah, there's not going to be any awards handed out for this one, but you know. No. <laughs> Have you guys ever been approached by a celebrity that was a fan of of the Phantasm franchise that you just you were like, are you kidding me? Like, really? <laughs> Uh, Snoop Dogg is a fantastic fan. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. K 
can you can you see him in his living room with his huge theater uh, <laughs> set up and all his dudes hanging out, you know, token and smoking and watching <laughs> the Phantom? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah, I, I can see that. Well, in know, Long Beach, no less. Yeah, yeah. Long Beach. Uh, Snoop is from Long Beach, and and uh, he the was LBC. born and raised in Long Beach. I was born and raised in Long Beach. Uh, we went to the same high school. Uh, different times, obviously. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, uh, I went to Poly uh, High School, Polytechnic High School in, yeah. in Long Beach, and uh, Snoop went there as well. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, d- different years, like I said. Small George world. Clooney's a fan. That's awesome. Who is? Yeah, George Clooney. Cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. His wife's probably not, but <laughs> <laughs> You know, I t- I'll tell you guys, I don't know if you're familiar with this band, and we've never had them on our podcast because we have a lot of death metal artists that we have on our podcast. Corey and our big yeah, death we have metal fans. A, uh, a lot of metal fans. Well, you, well, these guys, I may say, and I think Corey will probably agree with me, are probably the biggest Phantasm fans, and that's the New York death metal band named Mortician, which they actually named the band after the Phantasm. The first Phantasm film. It. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. If you ever look those guys up and they've they have songs, they have a song called Lord of the Dead and they've got, you know, and there's samples from the films and it's I mean they're actually I think I've heard the song actually. I think someone that I sent it to us once. Oh wow. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. I mean he I for I, be, I believe what was what was a, what was the band hold on. They originally their original name before they were called Mortician was something way more descriptive of I can tell you right here. Yeah, there was that and uh Band and Tomb did the song Left Hand Path, which had the Phantasm theme near the end of it. Which, really you know, cool. uh, Twisted is a, is a big fan. Interesting. They're, they're a big fan. Twisted, I know they love the they love yeah. Kane as well, the uh, Jason. Yeah, we've been yeah. in two of their music videos. Oh, wow, okay. that's crazy. Yeah, um, let's see. Uh, this is your life. Or, uh, this is no. Yeah. This is my life. This is my life. Yeah. And uh, the last, uh, one of the last ones. Um, what was it called? It, it had to do with. Um, oh, Boogeyman. Huh. Well, yeah, Boogeyman. That's right. Reggie, Reggie played the. Um, uh, he, uh, he, he had the crystal ball. That's crazy. And, uh, so, yeah, so we, we've been in two of them. And, um, and then, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, oh, I forget. There was, oh, um, then there's uh, the three sixes. Um, they're a fan. And, okay. And then, um, I can't remember this guy's name, but, uh, which I feel terrible whenever I have to <laughs> say that. But I have a good memory, it's just short. Um, <laughs> But there's a, a, a oh actually the, the band I think is called the three is it three six yeah okay and then um, then who was there was a there was a movie called uh, Stop It You're Killing Me and they had Reggie actually do a the cover song called wow. Stop It You're Killing yeah, Me well that's cool and and it starts out with uh, like a um, Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> and then he he goes into uh, like uh, oh it's like da 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 lights but a dream da 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 da
I just scared the cat. That's great. <laughs> it's really hilarious. And it's all about this this woman that's a witch, and she has to get toenails of the dead or something. I forget. Yeah, Interesting. That's great. And then for the, the Three Sixes album cover, they had me do... Uh, um, a mostly nude or all nude uh, uh, um, uh, carry shots of the <laughs> top six horror host a uh, horror um, uh, vixens, oh, okay. uh, including in uh, which I got them Debbie Dutch and Brink Stevens and Linnea Quigley. And, uh, you got to have Linnea you know. in there for sure. Yeah, of course, and Brink and Debbie. And yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I taught Debbie Dutch how to do, uh, you know what uh, uh, the drink BJ's are? No. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A lot of things pop up when Reggie, you look that up. Reggie's 50th birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look up the, those keywords, a lot of stuff pops up. Usually it's not. Yes, that's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do it anyway. I'm not, I'm not afraid. We'll do it. One of one of our notorious uh, birthday uh, or parties that we had in the nineties, nineteen ninety five, I think it was. That's crazy. Well, guys, look, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we have had an absolute blast talking with you. Very fun. This has it's been incredible. Oh, yeah, we've had a lot of fun. Yeah, and and Gigi, I want to especially thank you for setting this up and and being so gracious to us for uh, getting this set up and everything and um, oh, you're very kind. it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you um, Reggie it's been an absolute honor having you as well yes sir um, really legitimizes our podcast now I think you know as we ah oh, come on you're legitimate no wait we, a minute you're not legitimate <laughs> maybe you're real legitimate you know. yeah wow now yeah, it's, that makes you better <laughs> better now it's yeah. like hey we've got we've got Reggie I think now we're we're okay um, at least for now. <laughs> and, yeah, this has been uh, a super fun time. It's been an honor. Um, hey guys, this is Reggie Bannister from Phantasm, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast with an F. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Love it. <laughs> it's amazing. Good. Yes. Thank, again, I can't thank you guys enough for doing this. It's amazing. Absolutely. That was a lot of fun, man. We're huge fans, and I literally grew up watching these movies. I absolutely... I remember skipping ninth grade to go watch uh, <laughs> Phantasm Two in the theater. Like My friends and I went and got stoned, and we went and watched it. It was amazing. <laughs> so it's, I'm, I'm an older fan. I, I'm a, I love this stuff. This is ama- I remember seeing the... First film at a drive-in theater with my uncle, so it, it's oh cool. Yeah, it's oh, that was great. drive-ins were the best, weren't they? They were fun. Yeah. Yep, listen to yeah, it through the through the radio. Them, uh, yeah, it's yeah, they were a great place. Uh, yeah, to, to get sexual yeah. favors. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I always I always loved the the little jingle. You know the. Let's go down to the lobby. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. go down to the lobby. A little popcorn. Let's go down to the lobby to get something to eat. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, and they still do that once in a while. I think it's pretty cool, even in the normal theaters. They bring that out every now and then. It's pretty classy. I like it. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, I, I can't thank you guys enough. This is a, a dream come true, an experience for sure. Um, well, I hope we run into you guys at the at the conventions. Okay? Yeah, we'd love to see you. Um, you know, anytime we'll just stay in touch and uh, we'll yeah, send you guys. So if you guys are in the southeast, and if you definitely. Have anything coming up, you know, Awesome. Oh, we'd love that. We appreciate it. And I'll send you the link to this, and you can uh, share it and everything. And um, we'll just continue sure. to, to promote Phantasm and and uh, anything Reggie does. We're there for it. And, you know, just, uh, cool, yeah, we'll be in touch, guys. We really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, guys. Hey, y'all have Thank a good you one. so Thank much. You. Amazing. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.